Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box Trick. I am your host, Matt Brady. Joining me once again, Mr. AT, Mr. Adam. What is it? What is, what is it this time? I think we're still on King of Fuzz style, correct? Yeah, I haven't changed it since, uh, yeah. <laughs> since the last time. How about that? It's a new world record for me. But Matt, I am doing great, man. I am happy to be here as always. I've got a... Uh, a nice coffee ready with uh, WWF nice. New York mug. How's that for a relic? Wow. Matt, hey, how man. are you? Well, hey, I'm good, man. You know, well, it's good. Hey, it's a good thing we have some relics out because um, it's almost the end of the year. It's almost the end of the yeah. decade, which is crazy. Just crazy to think about. So uh, that's what we're talking today. We're going to talk the, you know, our favorite games of the decades. So we're talking 2010 to 2019 um you know when you think back to 2010 we were still playing the nintendo wii the xbox 360 the ps3 the 3ds vita and wii u did not even exist then and those are like gone at this point (laughs) so i mean how crazy is that it's crazy to think about oh my god Crazy! It's crazy Xbox to think about. Xbox 360, PS3, jeez, yeah. oh my god, yes. it's really put in perspective. It is. It is. Um, I, I still have my 3DS. Thank God, mm-hmm. I still have. Oh, that. I do too. Yeah. Oh, I still have my Wii U. Um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about some of our favorite games. So um, I think you and I both had kind of a, a difficult time really narrowing it down to to our favorite games of of the decade. I have. I know we we have some. We definitely have some honorable mentions. Um, I wrote down a list of around, oh, I don't know, 53 honorable mentions. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I just, some of them, some of them, some of them, I just, I wanted to throw in here. Um, like I've played, you know, I played all, all all these games, some maybe just a a little bit less than others. Um, you know, there's, if we we're not necessarily talking about the biggest games of the decade, uh, I think that's a totally or most impactful um, if you were talking about the decade before, I think you could make an argument, you know, for games. Uh, I think Angry Birds, you know, of the of the previous decade, is a game that I mean, it changed gaming, right? I mean, it, Angry Birds is like the game that introduced mobile gaming. It drastically shifted the uh, the gaming industry. So, um, I, you know, these are our favorite games. This isn't a best. This isn't a most impactful. Some of these games might be, but it's more just kind of our personal favorites of the decade so um i'm gonna briefly oh, let me do your let, let, i think we should let you do your honorable mentions first since my list is oh. so large oh I'm on, yeah i wanted to put a lot more on here but if, if if i did just oh my god it's like playing with fire with me dude right. i and not to mention the fact that i'm so indecisive so i i have nine here on on my honorable mentions and um you know if, if for anyone listening if there's a game on here that you think should have been on here. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. 
But right. it's just I, – I can't put, like, 50 more games on here because I'm just going to be here all day just me listing them right. down. And, and it's my list. It's my list, guys. Exactly. This is personal <laughs> faves. Yeah. All right. Here we go. And we're going to start back in 2010, which it was also re-released in 2018 for the DS and the 3DS, Shimagami Tensei Strange Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to go with, um, in 2013, uh, Tomb Raider, the reboot. Ooh, I so loved good. that game. You that get almost, to see that, how Lara became yeah. Croft. That almost made my, that that was almost awesome. made my list, my actual list. Really? Yeah, I love that. I, I'll have to admit. All right, I, I have to admit, I kind of like uh, toyed with it myself uh, yeah. for for a little bit. But um, let's see what else we got here. Okay, twenty fourteen, Alien Isolation. I think that was the Alien game a lot of us were waiting for. I'll have to say that was probably even the scariest game I've ever played in my life. Yes, I, I really mean that. Past any Silent Hill I've ever played, at past any Resident Evil I've ever played, no game has scared me the way Alien Isolation did. Because most Alien games were all, like, action games. And this was a mm-hmm. true, like, horror, like, this was hide-and-seek on the deadliest level ever. And while the story doesn't do much, it's because of its deep gameplay that it earns a spot there, definitely, for sure. And Sega was back on its game at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Then we go to 2015... Uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. We, I think most of us Digimon fans got the JRPG experience we've been waiting for with Digimon Cyber Sleuth. So that was great. Loved that one. Uh, let's see. 2016 uh, Final Fantasy 15. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the greatest Final Fantasy ever, but it definitely deserves a spot up there. And Arden was just, oh my God, totally throws you for a loop mm. in that. In that game, like you know, he's up to something when you first meet him, but then as you get deeper and deeper into the game, it's like, holy cow, this guy is twisted. And the game takes like a whole different like left turn, like I kind of feel like Final Fantasy VII does. So mm-hmm. for that, I think, and it's Final Fantasy, it's classic, it's got to exactly. be up there. Yeah. Um, I got, let's see, um, I should have put these in order. I, I'm kind of throwing myself. It's okay, off my here. my honorable okay. len- len- mentions list is not in, in any order at all. So, all right, I'm just gonna kind of like just roll off the deep end here. I put the Resident Evil 2 remake mm-hmm. up there. I had a hard time with that because that almost made it into my top ten as well. Because when I was a kid, Resident Evil 2 was like my favorite game in the world. Right. But this remake was just done in the with in such good taste. Mm-hmm. I, I I was I was I told myself this is a real recipe for disaster. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely phenomenal. Great. Um, I put uh, Resident Evil uh, 7 on mm-hmm. there as well because it totally reinvented itself and went back to the survival horror aspect. Not to mention the fact it kind of did the thing that um, Shinji Mikami kind of wanted to do with the original first one, which was do have it be in first person. They didn't so, but the PS1 did not get to do that. So it's kind of like redone here. I've got uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters because, again, that That's was gorgeous. kind of like the DBZ Fighter game people had just been waiting for for the longest time, that 2.5D style. I loved the Budokai games back in the day. Mm-hmm. Those were great. Me Those were too. fun. But this was like, this was the one everyone was waiting for. And we haven't had a 2D 
DBZ game, I think, since Ultimate Battle 22 on the PS1. But no one yep. really remembers that game because oh, it was I released do. much. So, see, I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. do because, like, my brother and I would play it when we were kids, but it was released very, very late in the ps One. Oh, yeah. Life it cycle. was released, like, months before Budokai, like the original Budokai. Yeah. Kai. Yeah. Yeah. And it kept all of its Japanese voice work because it was released in Japan, like, way before we got it. Oh, absolutely. But they, they were, were just, just like, like hey, let's, let's put it out. Dragon Ball's it out huge there. over there. Yeah. Let's see what happens. That's it. And uh, last but not least, and again, this is another one I had a hard time with. I didn't play this game, but I was just like, all right, I'm going to put it into my honorable mentions because i got to make room for a couple of others for my top ten. And I put Pokemon Let's Go, Eevee, and Pikachu. And I had to put that because while I didn't play it, I know what yeah. it's all about. Yeah, and if that one. Anything... If you've pl- if you've played Red and Blue, I mean that's yeah, that's it's like I yeah, I get right. it. that's that's totally legit. But for me, it's like it's a great way to get the newer generation to see it, to a degree what we had. So it's kind of. It's I like that you know I, I you know whether it be with like music or a TV show or a video game it's a good way to get a new crowd uh, into it to see what it kind of used to be but also it's got that cool functionality where it's like you could put G one Pokemon from uh, Pokemon Go mm-hmm. yeah. into it so so that's cool too that's a cool feature to have so mm-hmm. so yeah so there we go those are uh, my honorable mentions right there. Hey, nice, nice man. Yeah, that's a that's a great list. Trust me, we might be talking about one or two of those games in in my list. So, uh, just, all right, just just stay tuned <laughs> for that. Okay, so I just have a huge list, and I'm gonna start down at the bottom. Uh, and so this is really more of my thought process. You know, I was just like, oh, I gotta include that game. Oh, I gotta include that game. So it just kind of like led my mind around. <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily in any order of anything. Um, and I'll briefly just like, say like one or two things about each of the games. Um, so this is from the last decade. There's a lot of games here. Um, Astro Bears Party, fun indie game on the Switch. Dragon's Crown, uh, gorgeous uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up RPG on the PS3, Vita, and PS4. Uh, Nintendo Land, really kind of underrated game. It was really fun for the Wii U when it first came out, kind of showcased the system. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool mini games in there. Call of Duty Black Ops 2 I had on the Wii U. Uh, playing it for free, which was a big deal for me back in the day, because I didn't want to. Because I was like, I went back to school, uh, and I was in college, and I didn't have a lot of money, and I was like, ah, you know, I, can I justify <laughs> paying like six, you know, all this money? I was, when I was when I was you're like waiting tables on the side, yeah, you don't really have a lot of money, when you're only working like ten hours a week, so um, it was a lot of fun. Played it on the Wii U, it was great. The Last Story, totally underrated RPG from the guys who did Lost Odyssey, which is the same guys who did all the original Final Fantasies. It's on the Wii. Uh, check it out. The Game of Thrones Telltale series. I didn't play The Walking Dead or, or any of their other ones. I'm obviously a Game of Thrones fan, but I loved it. So I'm assuming that the Walking Dead games and Batman and anything else Telltale has worked on is amazing. Um, South Park, the stick of is it Destiny or Stick of Truth? I can't remember. I think it's a stick of truth. Uh, either of truth? way. Uh, totally fun RPG. I have not played the Fractured Butthole, but I'm sure it is great as well. Final Fantasy 13. I know I knock it all the time, but I still had fun playing it. Duke Nukem Forever. It was a game that everyone waited yeah. for. I enjoyed it, okay? I don't care if it's bad. I had a, a, a super fun time playing it. Uh, WWE All-Stars. It's uh, fun, arcade Oh, my uh, I God, think it's, yeah. 
<laughs> I think it's great. Uh, 007 Goldeneye, the remake that was on the Wii and later on the PS3. Again, it was great. It was kind of weird as Daniel Craig, as as Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. But, hey, it was fun. Uh, NBA Jam, the, the kind of rebirth of NBA Jam uh, back in, I think it was 2010. Um, it was great. I loved it. Halo Reach. Uh, oh, I mean... You could make an argument. It's it's in the top ten first person shooters of all time for single player campaign. Catherine, great fun. Oh, Catherine! Odd, yes, odd odd game. I bought the collector's edition, but I saw one trailer and I was like, you know what? Why not? And I bought the collector's edition. Loved it. I have it. I have it and on my 360. Yeah, actually, now the, yeah, yeah. Now there's a new version of it um, where they added some more stuff to. It. I want to check it out. Red Steel Two. So the that's really made use of that Wii Motion Plus. Uh, the original Red Steel. There was Steel a two was, for that. Yeah, the the first one was bad. The second one's good. The second one's really good. I remember the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a totally different game. Um, Basketball Classics. It is an indie game on Steam. Uh, just tell you that. Check it out. Uh, Heavy Rain. Fun. Yeah. Ooh. You know, again, like those Telltale games. Man, that game. Whew, that game is. It's it's a mind. Uh, I don't even know what. To, Melt or a twist. I don't know, man. Just it's dark, but but play it. Mag. Mag was a PS1 or excuse me, PS3 first person shooter, massive alt online player. I think you could have like 128 people playing at once or something. Um, it's unfortunate that the game that game never got a sequel. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, uh, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, Sonic Mania and Sonic Colors. Uh, Tetris 99, which is a lot of fun on the Switch. New Super Mario Brothers 2, that's the one on 3DS where you play with the coins. Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, Pokemon Sword slash Shield, just started playing it. I think Sword is great. I haven't played Shield, but you know it's obviously the same, just different Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon right. Soul Silver slash Heart Gold, I had Soul Silver. Pokemon Quest. Oh, yes, yes. Poke- Pokemon Quest, which is a... a a free-to-play Pokemon game uh, on the Switch. It's fun. Super Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5, NBA Playgrounds. It's kind of like uh, NBA Jam a little bit, um, slash like NBA Street. It's, it's kind of fun. Call of Duty Ghosts, Split Second Velocity, a s- huge underrated kart racer. If you ever get a chance, to, if you ever find it on the wild, check that game out. I cannot say enough good things about it. Um... Mist of Pandaria, the only time I ever played WoW, and I had a fun time with it. Then I got kind of bored. I did not get sucked in, but it was fun while I played. Uh, Heroes of the Storm. Again, I don't really do. I don't really. I don't really do a ton of uh, kind of online gaming of that style. I didn't play League or any of those other stuff. But Mist was fun. Or excuse me, Heroes of the Hor- uh, of the Storm uh, was fun. Dragon Quest Heroes. Uh, you know, a lot of those like yeah. Hy- Hyrule Warriors stuff like that. It was great. Uh, the Last of Us and Uncharted 3. Uh, I was really late into the game on both of those games, but, um, the man, the story of The Last of Us is just proves to me that video game stories are just as good as, as big-budget Hollywood stories. Infamous Second Son, uh, great story there as well. Looks gorgeous. It was a, not really a launch title for the PS4, but I, I think it was like in, in that launch window. The Order 1886, yes, it is short. Yes, it is not worth $60, but if you can find it today for $20, it's a fun story for all five hours of it. Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy, you guys have heard me talk about that a lot. For Honor, great idea. Uh, unfortunately, the servers were really unstable and it killed all of their player base, but it was it was a fun time. 
Yeah. Lego Marvel Super Heroes, I still believe, is the best Mar- uh, the best Lego game and, and could be one of the best uh, Marvel games as well. Spider-Man for the PS4, my God, it's, it's phenomenal. It was so close to making my list. Um, Metroid Other M, a lot of people didn't like it, but I had fun with it. Fable 2 and Fable 3. I love the Fable games. Uh, you know, I think Fable Two is 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 the best of them. Octopath Traveler, oh, I think it's gorgeous. I think it's I think it was great. I put a lot of hours into it. Uh, almost made my list. There are just a few better. Uh, there's just yeah, there's a few better Switch games that came out recently that just uh, had to had to had to push that off. Watch Dogs um, was a lot of fun. It was my my first kind of when I bought PS4. It was I think it was the first bigger open world PS4 game I I, I played. So. It was, big huge jump the division uh i haven't played the division two but the division one i just had a lot of fun with playing with my friends online xenoblade chronicles x <sighs> it's so good it's it, i i hope that it someday it gets it gets a switch port that it, it it deserves pokemon x um i i i think it's the second or third best pokemon game beside behind you know red and blue and 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 gold and silver really yeah, Pokemon X, X and Y are really good. Um, Rocket League, man, it was it was my game of the year one year because I just had so much fun with it. Uh, Batman Arkham City, there were a lot of Arkham games. I think Arkham City was the best. Arkham Knight introduced the Batmobile, but I did this, and it just didn't it didn't feel the same to me. So our, our Arkham City and Child of Light, which is an RPG, I have talked about quite a lot. It's a lot of fun. You can beat it about ten hours. It's yeah, just has a good story, and it's kind of it's cute and fun. So there we go, man. There's wow. a, a hand, handful of honorable mentions. There's a ton of other big games that came out in the last decade that uh, certainly just deserve mentioning. I did not really play them. Grand Theft Auto Five, The Witcher Three, Minecraft. Um, you know, just huge epic games. A lot of the Assassin's Creed games, uh, just not really my thing. So you know, again, this is going to be our our personal favorites, but just some of those in terms right. of just some of the bigger bigger games of the of the decade. So good All stuff, right. man. It, it's yeah. making me realize how much I I kind of like really. Uh, forgot about or oh, yeah. didn't even think about though. Well, That's when you the go thing, back though, like, and you so start and you start thinking about the games on the end of the 360 PS3 life cycle, and then you're thinking, oh, okay, you know, then like not necessarily the PS4 life cycle, and now we have the Switch and the PS5 is coming out, and gaming's just evolved um, so much. I mean, I've, Fortnite, PUBG, you know, the Twitch has, you know, Twitch wasn't, I don't think existed back in 2010. I think it was just coming around. Um, you, you know, or, or certainly, and so how how that's how that's changed the, the world as well. So, okay, so Adam and I have our top ten. Um, we are gonna go in. We're we're gonna do kind of a weird order here. We're just gonna go in kind of chronological order that they've come out. So just that yeah. we're, we're not jumping all over the decade here, and then we just have our personal favorites that we're saving for last. So, um, Adam, I'll let you go uh, first, man. With the, I guess your earliest game of of the decade. Okay, all right. So I got two in 2010, and I'm going to go with um, this particular one first because you did list this on your honorable mentions. I just, I just want to go a little bit more uh, yeah, into absolutely. it because this game, I think, of all of the online co-ops, I played this game for the first time the day it came out, and I did it the whole campaign with my best friend online, and we had the best time with it. And before this came out, we played all the other main games going into it to get ready. 
we did it for two days straight and we played it from the first one uh, to the third one. And I'm talking about Halo Reach. Um, It's the last Halo that Bungie made. Mm -hmm. And like, I like I liked Halo a lot. I, I I will say I'm not like the biggest Halo fan. I haven't played a Halo after Reach. Right. Well, and it's they, not that they, I there's, was... there's not there's no reason to. Yeah, I I like I don't know. It's like some some people are like, oh yeah, you got to keep. And some people just they were done with it when Bungie put that out as well. And it's it's not that I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to play a game from this three four three four uh, company. Where it, it was it had nothing to do with that at all. It's just for me, this was a good like um, finishing point for me. But Halo Reach, it's like, well, first off, what more can I say about this game that hasn't been said already? Like, it, it comes from the Halo franchise, which is just freaking legendary. I remember when the first freaking Halo game came out. You know, it, it, was, it was just absolutely mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, it's like, Bungie went out with a bang with this, and this would be their last game till Destiny even mm-hmm. came out, actually. But Reach is like, if I love a good prequel. Like, like it's just I love seeing how the pieces come together to what we've already known, you know. And in the first Halo, right at the very beginning of the first Halo, they already mention Reach, and it makes you wonder what was Reach. Like we we don't know, and here we are all these years later in 2010. Like we're we're, we're gonna live it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just it's like you know this it's this when you play Halo one, two, and three. And you see how those events go down and we're introduced to Reach. You already know, based on how those games are, you already know how Reach is going to end. And you know it's not going to end good. Mm-hmm. So, but now we got to see how it goes down. You know, it's, it's, it's this great storytelling showing how this mighty Spartan team known as Noble, it, it's like they've just, they just fall apart. One after the next, and, it, and it's it's heartbreaking to a degree. And I'm not gonna lie, dude, this was the only game that I was making notes about that I got choked up about because I was just remembering everything. Because this really, really hit home for me. It had fun multiplayer. You had the firefight mode where you could uh, battle waves of enemies with your friends. Um, the game's ending is absolutely one of the most insane things I've ever played because you are the last member. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't played it. You're the last member of Team Noble on Reach. And you're just... You're fighting for your life. Like, literally. You're going till you can't toe the line any further. The more hits you take, the more wear and tear you get. Like, you're... Like your HUD starts to get like bullet holes and like the and like your visor and stuff like that and everything and just when your health bar runs out, there's a seamless transition into a cutscene, and it's like Noble Six is which is who you play as. He just takes off his helmet. You never see his face. He throws the helmet down, and in the helmet's cam, you just see a convergence of Covenant soldiers just. They just mount him. They just start beating him. It's all hand-to-hand. And he's fighting hand-to-hand with them for his life. And they just, they beat him to death. And it, it's just like, that's it. And you did all of that to save the legend you play as, which is the Master Chief. Which you briefly see before that even starts. They're mm-hmm. loading him in stasis because you wake up from stasis as Master Chief in the first Halo. They're launching him onto the Pillar of Autumn. And it was kind of just like the the Autumn takes off and you stay behind. 
to hold off the Covenant forces. And it, 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 it sent chills down my spine the first time when it was like, objective, survive. And I was kind of just like, oh, oh great. Here, well, here we go. But um, again, from a prequel standpoint, it, it did everything right without uh, screwing up any of the mythos of the, of the Halo uh, universe. And it's, it's crazy to see how most of the members of Team Noble kind of just die in vain to a degree because most of them die believing like, oh, my actions are going are gonna to end this whole thing and save everybody. And it's like, nope, not really. Everything's just going to get so much worse from here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, Halo Reach, hit, hit, hit home with me. The, the ending is so good where you're on, yeah. where you're on, on the platform. And guy, and there's just right. waves and waves and waves of guys coming until until you die. It's so so good. You you, you sit, as you systematically see members of your team die throughout the story. It just it hits home, man. It's I, I think it's the best campaign Bungie's ever made. Um, I I think it's one of the, it's one of the best first person shooters. It it was a, it was a great kind of really ending to me. And it's a, it was a love letter. I mean, Bungie literally writes a love letter yes, in in the yes. game of you know Halo meant so much to us. It and you know I think I think Halo itself has a special place in our hearts because you know one of the reasons a lot of people love Super Mario sixty four is because it's the first time we see Mario in three D. Yeah. And you know, I, while the PS one and you know the Saturn and the N sixty four did. 3D gaming. It was really the GameCube, PS2, Dreamcast, and Xbox that did 3D gaming well. And then it was the next generation that did it really well. And you know, I think that's for a lot of people when when you played Halo and you were playing first person shooters, six you know, sixty or thirty whatever, thirty thirty or sixty frames per second, and it looks good and it feels solid. Not kind of like jerky. I mean, go you go back and play Goldeneye, and I love Goldeneye. I think it's one of the best first person. I think it is the best first person shooter ever. Um, you know, sometimes it goes down to like twelve frames a second, right? Uh, yeah. And but Halo was really that game that did it well. It, it did it. Right. It did it really well. And so I think for a lot of us, Halo itself. When you think back to those original Xbox days, Halo parties, going over, getting like sixteen people together and plugging in four Xboxes and just having a lot of fun on Friday nights. You know, we did that pizza, Mountain Dew, donuts. Go to our buddy's house. We had a huge house. Everybody's in separate rooms. We're yelling at each other. Um, the land party days. Absolutely, man. The yeah, land yeah, parties. yeah that's ab- it. Ab- absolutely. It, 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 you know, Halo had such a special place in our heart and so then to see as you said the beginning but really kind of what i consider the end of of halo because you know then then bungie left and it was a great fitting perfect well-crafted story it's right it's halo reach <laughs> it's it? yeah so halo reach man. halo reach yeah all right man um okay so my uh so i have one game in 2010 okay uh, so back in, I think it was 2004, I played a game for, I, I remember, I remember, I remember I had, uh, it was G4 TV or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's a show on there called X play, right? Do you remember that? Yes. Remember X play back? I in do. The day? I do remember that. And yeah. I remember that was when I was like, Oh, we get to see all these games that are going to be coming out and all of this stuff. And there was a game coming out called red dead revolver. 
and it was a Western, and yeah. I thought it looked awesome. And then I got it, and I played it, and, um, y- you know, it was it was actually going to be a Capcom game, and then Capcom sold Ooh. it to Rockstar. And oh. and then in around 2009, 2008, we started hearing rumors that they were going to they were going to take the Red Dead game and put it into more of a a Grand Theft Auto style game. And I'm, of course, talking about the first uh, and best um, Red Dead Redemption to play nice. in this this new setting. You know, you, you take it's like people call it, you know, GTA Western. Well, it was and it was awesome. Uh, it, you know, it's actually much simpler than, than Grand Theft Auto because there's actually a lot less you can do. But it was just so fun. And the story was so well crafted. And to get a ride around, you know, on horseback, you, you know, doing all of all of the things you do in classic Western movies, using lassos to tie people up and sticking them on train tracks and uh, dueling people, you know, cheating at cards and, and going and getting drunk at saloons. It was the best Western that is, and it still, I think, is, because I, I do think it is better than Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, it's the, it's, it's, it's a Western. It's the Western that people have always, always wanted. You'd, you'd think that Western games would, would work uh, so well. And it created a Western game movement. I mean, that's when you really started seeing those, those Call of War as games and a lot of these other Western games coming out as well. The story following John Marston and his tale, you play as a kind of a bad guy who's trying to turn to who's trying to turn his life around. And then you get to the end and the ending is, is kind of traumatic where he's uh, he the government forces him to go track down uh, Dutch, the old guy, the old uh, leader of the gang that he used to travel in. And then ultimately ends up costing him his life. So it's so it's like the sins you committed in the past still follow you through. Oh, it's great. Red, it's great, and I hope I hope someday we get a PC version of this. I know we just got a PC version of Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, so the ideal way to play this is on an Xbox One X because it does upscaling. Uh, so if you have an Xbox One X, grab yourself a copy of Red Dead Redemption, the original, and you will not be disappointed. See, now this was a game that I've I'm always surprised at myself that I haven't played this yet. Because when I was growing up, my dad grew me and my brothers up on a lot of, like, old school, like, it was weird, like, western, but monster movie, like, mixes. So it was, like, cowboys, like, fighting dinosaurs, or, like, um, there was one, the Black Scorpion, that was, like, another one. So it's, like, I, that's, like, what always made me love the Wild West, and I remember when Red Dead Revolver came out, and I was like, oh, this is cool, yeah. And even that game already had me thinking because Rockstar put it out. Okay, it's like a Western uh, GTA. But who would have thought that it's, you know, sequel, you know, Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. would be this hit that Revolver Mega wasn't. Hit. You Mega know? hit. I mean, <laughs> big time. And I just keep thinking to myself, like, why haven't I picked this up and yeah you're you're right though like you, you mentioned um games that would come out later too like you know call of juarez or whatever and there, there was gun do you remember mm-hmm. gun gun mm-hmm. was like that but like to a smaller degree but right. i enjoyed gun i played that one mm-hmm. but yeah dude, and Red some Dead of the yeah, and it's I, been I, on my list forever and i think some of the call of wars games and i think even gun came out after red dead revolver 
but it was really I, but i know there was like a, there was a handful more created after red dead redemption because it was just it, oh yeah, yeah it was just it it took it took red dead revolver which was good and and fun it's more of an a, just action play through levels uh shooter and it's great i it's it's a it's a ton of it's a ton of fun as well but uh i mean it just couldn't red dead redemption is a mega you're talking grand theft auto level mega hit I gotta add this to my backlog of games now. Still, oh, it's so this, don't, get me wrong. Get don't get me wrong. Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Two is is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, but there's another game I'll talk about later. That the entire time I play, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption Two. I just, I wish that I was playing this game instead. And it's a testament to how Ooh. great this other game is. But it's just that I, it's just Red Dead Redemption was really the first game. To do to really do the wilderness, I think, right in in that in that no, kind, in like that the, kind, in that kind of a setting, right that that action adventure uh, kind of a setting. There's definitely been RPGs that have done that have done that um, as well. You know, you, you think back to um, you know Oblivion. You're more just kind of walking around a world. It's not really like that kind of you know, survival. That it, the the new game has more of a survival element, but um, yeah. Red, Red Dead Redemption. It really, it, it's 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 quirky. It's funny. It's it's got that. If you like old westerns, or even if you just kind of like them, you you know you'll love this game. It's phenomenal. So okay, See, now right, that comment you'll... you made about the se- yeah. now that comment you made about the second one, I'm like at the edge of my seat now because I want to you... know what this other game was so badly. Well, well <laughs> so the se- I will say this: the second game, the Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, is a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, so you could play it first. Ooh. Oh boy. Mhm. All right, my next game here is uh another we're going to do the other 2010 game. Okay. Uh this was the follow up to my favorite game ever, which is not on this list because my favorite game ever came out in 2007. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm going with Mass Effect 2 from BioWare. Here we go. So obviously like I said it's the follow up to the first Mass Effect in mm-hmm. 2007. Um it's like Two took one was fantastic, had a couple of things wrong with it. And two took everything from the first game and made it a tighter. And it's like the first title like to give an example, the first title we had these big, big worlds uh to explore. And um it it was it was great and you could find random buildings to go out and explore and artifacts. But while that was amazing, and while every planet had a different hazard or atmosphere or or um, aliens, it's it had a lot of bugs. And you had your Mako, which is your rover, I and love. the mechanics. That thing was bizarre for me. I felt <laughs> a lot of people, like some people loved it, some people didn't. I loved it. I felt like it's not that it wasn't like counterintuitive. I don't know. There was just something about it that was just bizarre to me. But because everything was so big and so open, it's going to leave uh, room for bugs. Whether, whether No matter how hard you try to fix it or not. But in 2, you could still go to other planets, of course. But it's your area of exploration is a bit more confined. But the trade-off here is that despite that, they put more uh, of their resources into making uh, tighter gameplay 
which definitely shows from a third-person uh, shooter perspective. By the way, if you're not familiar with Mass Effect, it's it's all sorts of things. It's a third-person shooter. It's an action RPG. I'd say even certain parts of the game have horror elements to it, even to a degree. But with the takeaway of more planetary exploration, we're going into these smaller environments that have also more personality and much, much more detail, actually, as well. So so that was cool. There's a lot more personality there. And the best part is, is like we get most of the characters back from Mass Effect 1, uh, which, in my opinion, are some of the most colorful and exciting characters I think uh, a game series has had to offer. And 2 gives us them and even more exciting characters as well. And in... They did something clever here that I can't name any other particular games at the moment, but other games have done this where it's like one took a a little group that you deal with for maybe one side quest in here mention of and a couple of other side quests, which was Cerberus. And they they totally capitalized on the idea on like what they were about and everything. And you know like they're this bad group of people that do like these freak show experiments and stuff like that and have ties with just some very, very dangerous people. And now we're seeing them on a deeper level and you're kind of um, making this unlikely alliance with them. But given the circumstances, it's like because Mass Effect 2 pulls no punches in the beginning of the game of of like basically throwing you to the wolves. Like since the opening cutscene, like you're in the crapper and like everything's just getting thrown at you and you're jumping right into the action. And it's like you die basically in the beginning of the game and Cerberus resurrects you. So because of that, you're having this unlikely alliance basically. And you have to find out about these things now called the collectors. And it's like, oh, who are the collectors? And it's like, oh, the collectors are working with the Reapers who you only hear about in the first game. And you see Sovereign. And it turns out that the collectors are, oh and behold, this like long, like revered race called the Protheans that are basically responsible for all the mass relay technology and everything in the game. It's them and they were repurposed by the Reapers. So the mystery of what happened to the uh, Protheans and why they were vanished is answered in this and it turns out they're kidnapping human colonies to create a human Reaper now. And like, you want to talk psychological warfare, that's as psychological as it gets. Grinding up organic human tissue to create this mechanical, uh, techno-organic type of being to serve this, almost in a sense, you could almost call the Reapers a master race. They just hide out in dark space and they just wait for like the apex being to reach the pinnacle of its cycle. And then they come in and just sweep down and take it all away so they could just gain more out of it. But um, very, very solid game, very solid storytelling. And like I said, we get a wonderful cast of characters and, and tighter gameplay. Mass Effect 2, I, I could not have been happier with that sequel. So good. Yeah, I played Mass Effect 1, and I, I loved it. Uh, I started to play Mass Effect 2, and I think I started to play it at a time where I was just busy playing other games, so I never really finished it or picked it back up. Um, but from what I know about it is Mass Effect 2... Um, made it a little more action oriented which i know yes. a lot a lot yes. of people 
I, I've, I've heard mixed things on two. Um, I know my brother who loves the series has said he, he's like, one's my favorite. Two, they, they went a little more action-oriented than three. They kind of blend it back together. And so I, I think some people say that three is, is their favorite. It's possible we may hear about three here in a little bit. I won't spoil anything or say anything. I don't even know. But I, if I just had to take a guess, I'm just saying it's possible. We might hear about it. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, But that's, the, you know, that's my experience with it. But it definitely, just in the little bit of it I did play, it did feel... Uh, bigger and 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 kind of and kind of bolder like they definitely they definitely went for it uh with mass yes. effect 2 and then from what i've seen of 3 as well so and they were huge huge games at at the time mass effect was an enormous uh series that everyone was talking about when it when it was out yeah i it, i think um it earns its place next to other you know, and, and this is just talking from a video game perspective. It's got an um, an anime movie, and it's had comics and um, some very good novels that I've mm-hmm. read as well. I think it earns its place, respectively, next to great franchises like Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica. Like, I think it's earned its spot, mm-hmm. definitely, with its world building. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, at least for me, on to 2011. We're done with. Are we? I think we're done with 2010. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I have two games in 2011. Ooh. Do you have any in 2011? I do, and I'm okay. wondering if we have the same game here. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think we do have the same game uh, then, but I'm going to start with another game because this did actually okay. come out earlier. So, I have always been. Grow, you know, growing up, I was a Sega guy. All right, Nintendo was great, but for me, it was the Genesis, and Genesis does what Nintendo don't. And then I went from <laughs> the Genesis. I didn't really touch the Saturn, but I got the Dreamcast, and I remember the first time I played Sonic Adventure, Ooh. and it was just it was crazy because it was it was you know the Dreamcast came up before the PS2. So seeing that that much bigger boost in power from the PlayStation and N64 to the Dreamcast was was crazy. I playing the opening level to Sonic Adventure still I think every time I play I'm just I still think it looks great to this day. But I got then, that song on my head. Oh my god. <laughs> but then something started to happen. Right? We went from Sonic Adventure 1 which is great to Sonic Adventure 2 which is great and then as systems became more powerful and we could go faster and faster, Sonic started to get worse and worse. Yeah. We had Sonic 2006, which is, you know, it's revered. We know the legend of that game. We, we know that <laughs> game. And then they tried some stuff on the Wii with Sonic and the Black Knight, and there was Sonic Riders and all of the stuff. And Sonic went through a really bad, really bad spot there. And then Sonic started to turn around a little bit. Uh, Sonic Unleashed came out, and that was the werewolf, you know, the werehog Sonic. And right, the yeah, the yeah. werehog stuff wasn't really fun, but the two D levels, man, this is this is two slash three D levels. This is this is working. This could work. And then uh, in 2010, Sonic Colors came out, and I was like, all right, Sonic, this is fu- Sonic finally has a good game. And then in 2011, Sega did a anniversary game, 
called Sonic Generations, in which you get to play new, updated versions of both 2D and 3D levels. And we're going to make 2D versions of the of the of the of the newer stages and 3D versions of the older stages. And you get to play as as two different Sonics from two different timelines, and you get to play both the stages. And they do like a classic type soundtrack for the 2D levels and a a modern version for the 3d level so you get to hear them remixed the same song remixed two different ways and sonic generations is one i i've done i've done a top 10 sonic episode uh to me it is is one of the best games i think it works really well the story is pretty straightforward uh there's a lot of good like in jokes where you have uh doctor uh, you have two obviously doctor eggmans as he's called now but um one of them makes a joke he's like hold on Eggman. He's like, my name is Doctor Robotnik, and then the other, the other uh, one cuts him off. He's like, ah, it's okay. We go by Eggman now. And so you know, they just they just play at a lot of the, the the things that have happened in the in the Sonic universe over the years, and it's actually it just works because the 3D levels are just 3D. The 2D levels are just 2D. You don't have this back and forth of well, let's try to do this and let's try to do that, and it doesn't slow the game down. Um, you get levels from all of the all of the uh, about one level per game. You have Green Hill Zone from Sonic 1, Chemical Plant from Sonic 2, Sky Sanctuary from Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Speed Highway from Sonic Adventure, City Escape from Sonic Adventure 2, Seaside Hill from Sonic Heroes, Crisis City from Sonic 2006, Rooftop Run from Sonic Unleashed, Planet Wisp from Sonic Colors, and then a few Sonic... um, generation specific levels you get to do old classic boss battles you fight metal sonic at speed uh, stardust speedway from sonic cd you fight the death egg from sonic 2 it's great um and it's just it's it, it was a it was a tribute and love letter to sonic and the soundtrack i cannot say enough about it's it's i think it's the best sonic uh soundtrack it's obviously remixes of the original versions um, you oh, can, it, it's on it's on Steam. Uh, if you if you get it on Steam, there's also you get the DLC level, which was from Sonic Two, uh, Casino Night Zone, which is um, in my like top five favorite Sonic stages. Uh, they actually do a Sonic Spinball throwback to to that, where it's actually a pin it's a it's a pinball level, but it's it's Casino Night Zone, and but it's you know to play play homage to Sonic Spinball. So um, again, it's it's great there's tons of you get to unlock concept art from all the old sonic games you can play any song you want from pretty much any sonic game you unlock a ton of music in the game it's a love letter to the series and it and it and it's it's it was the first time that sonic had been good in in a long while nice i did not know that you might be the first person I've ever heard talk about that game on <laughs> that much of a level. I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just I've never heard anyone just talk about it. It's great, man. So I, I Sonic, I'm a Sonic guy. You know that they they when they showed the trailer for the Sonic movie, I, my heart was broken. And then they showed the trailer for the Sonic movie after they had went back and completely reanimated him. And I was like, I think this looks great. So yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Sonic. I think, I, I think Sonic is good. I think, I think the problem with Sonic games is that they try to do too much. I think that's one of the reasons Sonic Mania was received so well because they said this is what we, this is all we want. 
This is all all we want, and it's okay. Mario does. A, Mario definitely has games where they they try to break the mold, but a lot of Mario games are no. We're just gonna play it safe and do that, and that's fine. I think that that's right. I think right. That that's okay, and I think that you can build a successful franchise on that, and just hey, we'll try this. We'll we'll you know we'll try that. Look at the Assassin's Creed series. Look at Call of Duty. You can have a successful franchise. Pokemon doesn't really change that much over the years. Madden is pretty much the same game every year, and it yeah manages to be, always be the best-selling game of August. So I think that's what they just need to kind of figure out with Sonic is is I uh, I think you just have 2D levels and then just have 3D levels, and that's kind of what they they they've tried to do. Um, it has I don't think it's really worked out as well because they've been doing like absurd, stupid stories and 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 whatever, but. You know, it's the sense about Sonic Adventure 2. It's it's been mostly misses with Sonic, with like one or two, maybe three hits. But this is certainly one of them. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to reveal my 2011 game. So I guess we're both going to have to talk about this one at the same time. I, I suppose. I think. I think. I think we're talking about the same game. My guess is that this came out on 11, 11, 11. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, uh, what is it, Elder Scrolls Five? Yes. Skyrim? Absolutely, that's the one. man. Yeah. Like, all right, again, what more can be said about this title that hasn't been said? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's freaking Skyrim. And look how many ports this thing has gotten, Oh, my God, too. yeah. It's like, that's how, that's how much of an impact it's had. Like, the I internet modding community with... is oh, uh, yeah, outrageous, yeah. yeah. I had enough fun with Oblivion. Back mm-hmm. in the day, on 360, with um, I mean, I still have it on. The, I still have the 360 version as well, mm-hmm. actually. But like four was for me something. But when this came out, I was like, oh my god! Like they, this is the real deal with the dragons. The world building was absolutely incredible. It was like walking through a real, living, world, mm-hmm. and and just uh, it's. It's a story featuring just dragons and time travel. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool is that? And then you find out that these dragons had an army of other dragons. And then you have Parthenox, who's voiced by none other than Charles Marionnet. Mm-hmm. Freaking Super Mario voices a dragon. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was just awesome. I, I, I don't know what else I could say about the game. I will say this, though. I've never actually beaten Skyrim, but I did the entire Imperial quest line. I took out the Stormcloaks. I sided with the Imperials, destroyed the Stormcloak army. It was great, and nothing was more fun to me than just exploring the underground dwarven ruins. Mm-hmm. Loved that stuff with the they had like with like these steampunky styled robots and stuff. Oh my god! Oh, and when you level up your skill trees. Just mm-hmm. the way they advanced that, like, it, it's just one of those examples. It's like, you're going to play this game your way. Like, not even with the dialogue and morality options, but even in play style, you're going to play this game your way, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really play Morrowind, but I did play Oblivion, and I loved it. And I thought Oblivion was phenomenal. And actually, I still yes. think I am a little more partial to Oblivion than Skyrim. But Skyrim was on a different level. I mean, Skyrim... I remember people talking about Skyrim who I never pegged as video game people, ever. 
and that was kind of like wow this is this is that big of a big of a game you know when it when when it came out um you know i i the magic system is about the uh, the magic system is about the only flaw i have with the game i just think oblivion did it better but that's it the rest i i would argue that skyrim it did way better the shouting you know, it's just the, oh, shout, yeah, the yeah. shouting is is so different you know me and actually some friends uh have have uh one of my my good friends justin clark i want to give him a shout out here and my and actually my, my brother we've we've all talked about the, the the this this idea of like well who would win in a fight a max level character from oblivion and a max level character from skyrim and it's like well you know i don't know because well you know you you know in oblivion the, you, you just it's like your skills just continually go up and up and up and up and up and you can run across if your speed is maxed out you can literally run across the map i mean the whole map in like 15 minutes um you know and it also had some weird uh, glitches and bugs in it where you could wear full armor and then take off your boots so you could sneak around and, and um, you know, just just stuff like that. And in Skyrim, you know, they think they, they fixed a lot of that stuff. They they made it seem a little more realistic. The DLC for this game was was great. Get, uh, getting to build your own house, the, the vampire stuff. You get to go to a little bit of Morrowind. Um, it's an enormous, enormous game where you could sink hundreds of hours in it. I've played through this game around at least five times. I, I've, I mean, all wow. the quests, all everything, done everything there is to do around five times, and you know, do on different routes each time. And I still feel like every time I play it, I find something new. Yeah, it's a massive, massive game. Um, real quick, not not that it has to do with Skyrim, mm -hmm. but I want to bring this up about um, four really quick. Did you ever find the unicorn in four? No, I don't think I did. Oh my god, it was the funniest. I think the funniest experience I ever had in the game because I was reading on IGN that you could find a unicorn in this one part of the map, but they're like really rare, and there's like minotaurs running around, so you have to be careful. And I was really low level at the time. Like this was literally after I just joined the Blades, and I found the unicorn, and I was like, "Yes!" I mounted it, I rode off. I was like, "I got my unicorn! This is great!" And I was just like, "I'm gonna store it in the stable at Cloud Ruler Temple," but I forgot. That the unicorn is considered a monster. So when I got back to Cloud Ruler Temple, the blades got up and attacked my unicorn. Uh, oh, ah! no. oh my god! But um, I was in the thieves guild. I was mm -hmm. at the college um for uh, mages. I was kind of like a battle mage style, mm -hmm. I would say, in Skyrim. I really, I was a dark elf as well. Mm -hmm. Well, the the sh in Skyrim, my favorite weapon is the shield. The shield in Skyrim is so vastly different than the shield in the other Elder Scrolls games. I was never, I was never a shield guy. Oh, you can just... I mean, there's nothing more fun than when you have max level blocking and you can just bash anyone and completely stun them no matter who they are and just have a dragon fall out, you know, fall out of the sky and start challenging you and you just walk up to it with your shield and just smash it in the face and it gets completely stunned. And just, it's, it's just it's such a rewarding experience. And that's what's great about this game. You can play as an archer and the game plays almost like a first person shooter. I played a lot. I played as a lot as an assassin or a thief and you can just do the sneaking and the light armor or you can just go in as a straight up tank as heavy armor and a lot of other games do this as well but it's just it's just uh none of those other games really have the just the, the the world and environment that skyrim has where it just it feels a little more immersive you can get married you can 
And there's there's so much you can do. You know, crafting weapons. Are you going to be are you going to be an armor maker? Are you going to uh, you know, be, be an assassin. Are you going to join the Imperials or are you going to join join the Stormcloaks? I, either way, it's it's great. I love the Thomas the Tank Engine mod. Oh my way. god, it's the funniest thing in the world. Nothing, nothing uh, made me crawl out of my skin more than that. Nothing's more terrifying than climbing up a tower and seeing a Thomas the Tank Engine face through a crevice spewing fire at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right, yeah. so I guess we'll um you you want to do uh, your next one I guess since we both yeah. did uh Yeah, that's fine. My one. next one is in 2012. Okay. I have no 2012 games. Okay. So uh, I have talked about this game a lot. Um and let me, let me let me think of how how to start talking about this game. So I had moved back to Ohio. Uh, from when I was living in Portland the first time, and um, so I I missed out on the launch of the Nintendo 3DS. So one of the games that was coming out that I I kind of thought about, and I was like, you know, I played this game back on the GameCube, and I was just like, I don't know, I you know, I I really enjoyed it, and I didn't really play the one on the Wii, and so I said I'll get the one on the 3DS, and that is Animal Crossing. New Leaf. Ooh, it's the and and now I have I have actually gone back played the one on the DS a little bit the one on the Wii. Animal Crossing New Leaf is the best Animal Crossing that exists so far. That may obviously change here in a couple months uh, when the uh, New Horizons for the Switch comes out. There was a period for about I'd say at minimum six months but certainly about a year where I was consistently playing Animal Crossing for around five to ten minutes a day, which is the way it's supposed to be played. I've, I've, right. never, I've never been so hooked by this type of a game with the exception of Stardew Valley, which almost made my list. It was, oof, it was, it was so close to making my list, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll mention it briefly when I talk about New Leaf. Um, I just preferred New Leaf more over Stardew Valley, but I love Stardew Valley as well. But Animal Crossing New Leaf, it, uh, it, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I, I think it was just the fact that it was on the 3DS, and that uh, changed it for me, where I wasn't just, okay, turning on my system like I was on the GameCube and playing for a little bit every day. It's like I can just pull it right out of my pocket uh, and just and just play for five, ten minutes a game. And I know that, of course, you could do that on the DS version. I just didn't play it there. So that was kind of that first handheld Animal Crossing experience for me. Where I can just plug in and play for a little bit every day. Um, and it added so much more. You, you're the mayor now. And I think that's the biggest difference as to what makes this game great. Because now you actually have some say in the town. And you get a kind of... It's, not, it's no longer just building your house and building your friends. It's building the town. You get to build the town however you want. Oh, I want to put a bench there. I want to put a bridge there. I want to put a, a street light there. And you just you're you're given that ability. You have to like keep people in the town happy, which gives me a little bit of that of, of that um, Sim City en- environment on a much smaller scale. But Sim City is also one of my favorite games ever, so I get that element as well. Um, you know, having just for me having the ability to play it, pull out of my pocket, I, it was I was more inclined to play on holidays. So you get the special holiday events. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, exactly. Playing. I remember. I remember uh, staying up late at night. Oh, I gotta. I gotta wait till night so I can go to the island. You know, there's there's a special island you can go to, so I can go deep sea fishing at night because that's where you get the money fish, right? That I can sell to pay off my house, which Tom Nook, you know, is a loan shark and is gonna, you know, club me in the leg so I don't ever pay him back the one million bells I owe him to add an annex onto my house. So that's it's, it's Animal Cross. It's it's Animal Crossing. So. Um, you know, when I saw Villager come out and Super Smash Brothers Wii U, I thought it was great because I was like, "Yeah, he should be. He's a the Animal Crossing is a big, is a big franchise. He should be. He should be in it." Um, right. Smash Brothers Wii U, another game, honorable mention. I just uh, I was like, oh, "I'll talk a little bit about when I talk about New Leaf," um, because I was it was it was so great seeing him represented in Smash because Animal Crossing I think is that big it's that big of a franchise. I think New Horizons is going to be enormous, and it's possible maybe my game of the year next year. New Horizons might finally be what it takes for me to pull the the trigger on this mm-hmm. because. Back when the, because I had a GameCube, but I didn't have Animal Crossing. But it was one of those games I've always wanted to play, and and just with this game, just how you're talking about how the customization goes much deeper, that is a serious recipe for disaster for me. Because I'm gonna stop going to work. I'm gonna stop going to school. It's just, mm-hmm. it's gonna be bad, man. I I mm-hmm. I with games like that, I become very, uh, very addicted to, which is kind of why I stopped playing those kinds of games to begin with. It's why I haven't bought Dragon Quest Builders yet because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm almost afraid to, to, to play it. But And I, I, you know, I love that comment you made about how, yeah, the villager does deserve its spot in Smash because technically when you think about the real history of Animal Crossing, the Animal Crossing we got on GameCube was an N64 game. In Japan. So it yeah. goes back to that. Exactly. So it goes back to even that far. So that that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. You are up next, sir. All right. My next game comes from the year 2015. Oh, okay. Well, I have a 2013 game. So Do you want to do your 2013? Yeah, or? let me do my 2013. I like that we're sure, going go throughout the year so people can kind of think about what we're going on. Okay, so I am now about to talk about... Technically, I have two Wii U games, Ooh. although one of them is also a Switch game, so, you know, it's kind of spoiler there. This is definitely a Wii U game, deserves to get a Switch port. I hope it does at some point. Uh, so in 2013, I played what I believe to be one of the best 3D or 2D, however you want to look at it, Mario games ever, and that is Super Mario 3D World. Ooh. It's the only thing I think about when I think about this game is that if this had been a launch title, instead of New Super Mario Brothers U, the Nintendo Wii U might have done drastically better. This is as big of a Mario game as they've ever as they've ever released in terms of just how great this this game is. I would give it a ten out of ten, no zero questions. It is it is it is. To me, it is just as good as as um, Odyssey or Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario World, any of them. It it deserves its place right there amongst the mist. You know, Super Mario 3D World first. Oh, go ahead. No, go no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. Super Mario uh, 3D World. 
it's it is it is gorgeous. You know, it it, it looks it was it was the first time we really saw Mario in and actually it really it was the first time we really saw Mario in HD, to be honest, because the Wii oh, could only because the Wii could only do 480p. So as good as Super Mario Odyssey looks, it's not real high res textures where this game is. Um, this game is like a love letter to the rest of the series. It's it's a 3D environment, kind of kind of like Super Mario 3D Land, which came out on the 3DS, where it's not open world. It's it's individual levels, just like the old you know Super Mario World. But you get to play with four people at once. You can play as Mario, Toad, uh, Luigi, and Peach, just like a throwback to Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, whether you're playing by yeah. yourself or playing with friends, it is it is an excellent time. Playing with friends, I will say, gives you the extra challenge of the the person who scores the most amount of points at the end of the level earns a crown that you get to wear in the next level. But you can knock the crown off when you start the next level and steal the crown and wear it throughout the oh level. Oh my god, that is so great. It, so it creates this 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 chaos where you're all trying to get through the level and survive and and, and beat all the, you know, beat the enemies and get, and get to the flagpole. And some people are just like, "Well, I'm just going to focus on getting the highest score, so I get the crown automatically." And other people are like, "Well, I'm going to steal the crown." And it just creates this fun chaos that you can only get while playing on a couch with your friends. Uh, you know that's that that is where Nintendo shines. You know, did it have online play? No, but does it have? Nintendo says we want people to sit on a couch and play our game, and if you do, you will have an excellent, excellent time. Again, it's Mario soundtrack, amazing worlds, uh, inventive. Every le- it seems like every time they're doing different different ideas in in this game it's not it's not just like okay here's here's the same levels you know let's just reskin the levels different levels there are tons of power-ups including my most favorite mario power-up of all time the cat suit where you can scamper up ledges uh you know and you could you could dive at people and when he climbs the flagpole at the end which see now you, you climb the flagpole at the end uh, you know, then he says meow afterwards, and it's just adorable. It's Nintendo. It's the, you can't help but smile, right? Um, this game has mini games that introduce an entire new game slash franchise. This is where the Captain Toad Treasure Tracker started. Was in this game. There are many. Did not know that. Where you play as Captain. There are many games where you play as Captain Toad, and people liked it so much they said this should be its own game, and then it was. And because it, it got such it got such good reception, so um, I hope that, and I think that it will in 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 the, in the upcoming years get a that it will get a a Nintendo Switch port because it really really needs one. Um, but yeah, Super Mario 3D World. So what I was gonna say before was, this was a game that I never played, but anytime I go out window shop or pick up a, a new game on the cheap this is one I've always seen and I've always passed up but I've always wanted to play and you just gave me all the more incentive I needed to get it yeah like you, you just you just validated everything and then and then more if this was 
like a subliminal, like a subliminal sales pitch. <laughs> you just you, you knocked it out of the park, man. Like yeah. now it's I, I'm kind of like looking at my wish list now and I'm kind of like, all right, this is going back to the, the top now mm-hmm. because yeah. I would always pick it up and I would look at the back of it and I would just be like, this looks like so much fun, it's like so much incredible fun. But I did not know on the multiplayer level aspect of it. Like the last time I had a good time doing like, like, like sitting on the couch with my, my friends was like probably Marvel Ultimate Alliance, mm-hmm. like the first one. But like, like don't get me wrong. Like we'll still get together at a friend's place and we'll play Smash, Mario mm-hmm. Kart Eight Deluxe, and and that's really great too because there's there's chaos in that as well. It's just it's not as often as we used to, but that that's what it's all about, man. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo is perfect at nailing that more like social in the room together feel mm-hmm. with, with games like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one reason why you should buy it. And another reason why you should probably hold off. The reason I think you should hold, I, I think anybody should hold off is I just think that if you're a Nintendo, there's no way you don't port this to the switch. It's an already made Mario game. Um, it's, you know, it's just a port. They've ported just about every other big Wii U game. I mean, there's at this point, you know, now that they're doing the Fire Emblem Tokyo Mirage Mirage Sessions game. There's like yeah. I did I did an episode uh, a couple uh like a month or so ago about the, the like the five Switch games which need a port onto the or five Wii U, Wii U games which need a Switch port because that's really about all there is left. There's just not that many. They've ported a Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, Mario Kart Eight. You could make an, a very strong argument that Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is just you know there's no reason to go back and play Super Smash Brothers Wii U because everything that's in it is in Smash Ultimate, um, uh, you know, uh, you know um, trying to think of, trying to think of, trying to think of other uh, of other games. New Super Mario Brothers U got a port, so I mean, just about every game is getting every big Wii U game is getting a Switch port, so. That's my only hesitation on it is is just because I think I think it's super probable that it's that it's going to get a a port. But having said that, the reason I do think it is worth getting is one, it's possible that they don't ever port it. And two, from a collecting standpoint, there is still a good reason to get the Wii U. And the reason is because the Wii U also plays Wii games at 1080p, it, it does an upscaling of them, right? So, if you are going to be collecting for the Wii or the Wii, obviously you're going to be collecting for the Wii, Wii U. You'll need a Wii U. But if you're going to be collecting for the Wii, the definitive way to play those are on the Wii, um, because now I would say with with companies, uh, I, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but they do they make an HD upscaler for the GameCube and the N64. Um, I think you could almost just skip buying the Wii because it used to be, well, the best reason to buy a Wii was, well, one, to play Wii games, and then two, you, if you can get the first generation, it you can play the GameCube games because the GameCube component cables right. are incredibly expensive. But now there's options to just plug in the back of your GameCube and play it in 1080p. So, again, I'd rather play GameCube games on a GameCube because I think it looks cooler and you can just pop it right there, and then I can have the Wii U, and so I literally have zero reason to ever ever own a Wii again because you know, it, I, 
don't need it because I have the Wii U. So that is from that kind of collecting standpoint, I think that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna buy a Wii U, um, there are still a handful of games. I do think there's a handful of games which will not come out onto um, the Switch. Uh, the original Super Mario Maker, now the Super Mario Maker Two out. I don't think it's gonna come over. Um, I, it's unfortunate, but I. Um, there's still The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, um, The Wonderful 101. You know, there's still a handful of games which are still on the Wii U. Um, but hopefully those get ported as well. Because if you're Nintendo, I mean, why not when the Switch is selling three times worth what the Wii U did and you put all those money into those games, so you might as well port them as well. Nintendo's just... It's like, I don't think Nintendo ever lost their... Um... Yeah. Their jive, so to speak, but there was a period where I felt like Nintendo just ruled all. Mm-hmm. And I felt that especially during the Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. GameCube, Game Boy Advance era. But now I just I don't I don't think they lost it with the Wii or the Wii right. U or the the DS or the 3DS, but ever since the Switch came out, it's just it like It feels different. Oh, yeah. it's like just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like this this is it, guys. Like Well, really? I mean, if you go back and you look at the DS and Wii era, while while people weren't saying all oh, these are the best games ever, they were I mean destroying everyone in terms of sales. And then I think Absolutely. then I think there was a period of time this decade where you could make a, a case for at least I think I'd say probably like 2013, 2014, you could make a strong argument that Nintendo the 3DS was the best system of those eras because the PS3 and 360 were slowing down, and right. the 3DS was hitting it out of the park almost every month you had animal crossing you had luigi's mansion dark moon you had some of the, the paper mario games you had um some of the mario Ma- Ma- mario golf you, a lot of those a lot of those 3ds games were just nailing out of the park uh pokemon x and y uh i think it's around i think it's 2013 2014 where you could make a strong argument that the 3ds was the best fire emblem um you know like awakening and stuff like that i mean you could make a very strong argument that the 3ds was was the the system for for at least one of those years and I think what helped it too was the fact that while the the Wii did really well, the Wii U uh, did not. Right. So I think that's what really helped it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so that was. So do you have anything in twenty fourteen? Um. Let me just double check here. I don't believe I do. I do not. My my next one's in 2015. Okay. My my. I'll I'll just give you a little hint right now. My number one game is from 2014. But you know we're gonna come Ooh. back to that. So just keep that in mind as you're as we go through the rest of these games. My number one is even further back than 2014. To Perfect. Be okay. So I'm taking, I'm taking a huge jump back hey, here. That's actually. A, that's from okay. My list. All right. So uh, 2015. Metal Gear Solid Five wow. Phantom Pain. Well, that's that was yes. my, that was my next one too. So, are you serious? Oh, Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, well, dude. Like again, this is. Well, first off, I just gotta say, this was a game that wasn't even finished. By the way, mm-hmm. this game was not finished, and Kojima went through a lot of crap to get what we got. Yep out onto the market. So with that said, it still just blew me out of the water. I've been a Metal Gear Solid fan since the PS1. And this is the culmination of everything. And they closed the story in a very, very tasteful way. Mm -hmm. And 
it, despite it wasn't finished, it's like I when I was putting notes down for this, I didn't even know where to start. And when this game was coming out, I kind of did the same thing I did with um, with Halo for Halo Reach. Like, I went back and played Metal Gear Solid. I went back and played Sons of Liberty. I went back and I played um, Snake Eater. And then I did um, Peace Walker. Now, I had played all those other games except for Peace Walker up until that moment. I had the HD collection on the 360. So I was finally able to play that because that was originally on the PSP. And playing Peace Walker up to into Ground Zeroes, which is like the glorified demo right. of Phantom Pain, is so is so great because it literally picks up like right where you left off and and to see those characters from Peace Walker to be carried over into this beautiful HD game was just it was so magnificent and I'm just going to like jump ahead of everything that happens in Metal Gear Solid 5 because it's just such a mind blow, especially with like Skullface's plan is just absolutely insane. First off, that's that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say without giving away any other spoilers. But I will say if I hear the word Wolbachia one more time, I swear <sighs> to God, I'm going to cut my ears off. Well, I'll, I'll I love s- you, Code Talker, but oh my God. I, I'll, I'll say just, this. I, I don't even think it's possible to give spoilers in the Metal Gear uh, franchise because the story is so complex. It is, it is very. It is the a very overall story is. Story. I've tried explaining it to people. The people are like, so what's Metal Gear Solid it, you about? Can't. And I'm just like, I don't even know where to be to begin. I'm just no. like, uh, do can't. you start at Metal Gear Solid? Do you start back at Metal Gear? Do you start at Snake Eater? Do you start back at like way before that? I mean, it's just. It's it's so it's so intense. It's so complex. There's so many double, triple crosses. Uh, it's 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 too much. But it's it, I love it. Now the one thing that this does that is very very um, great. It closes the mystery to something in the Metal Gear Solid uh, mythos, and that's going back to the Metal Gear series. Mm-hmm. In the first Metal Gear game, you fight and you kill Big Boss, mm-hmm. but then you play Metal Gear Two. And you again, you fight and kill Big Boss. Well, how did this happen? Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, let me let's just say this: you you uh, you don't. Yeah. How does it happen that you fight and air quote quill Big Boss in Metal Gear Two as well? But let's just let, we'll we'll leave, because... that, we'll leave that for another day. But we'll just we'll just come back to Metal Gear. It's like. The guy you're playing as, who's supposed to be the legend that is Big Boss. Well, it turns out, and this is even more of a... It's, again, I don't even know where to start because it's just so insane. Right. You're Big Boss, but you're not Big Boss. Mm -hmm. You are this obscure off-screen character that was good friends with Big Boss, who in Ground Zeroes is on the chopper when you're trying to get the bomb... Out of one of the most disgusting cutscenes I've ever seen in my life, out <laughs> of Paz's body, right? Right? You're this apparently veteran helicopter pilot that n- next to next to Kazuhira, you were like one of Boss's best friends, and they put Boss in the hiding. They gave this guy reconstructive surgery, put him under hypnosis. To the point where he believed he was Big Boss. And because he believed he was Big Boss, was capable of doing everything Boss could do. Mm-hmm. That's who you kill 
in the very first Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Venom and Snake. By the way, Venom Snake and Keith or Sol- Keith or Sullivan's performance was just awesome. And also the soundtrack, man. The soundtrack, all oh those like eighties songs hits. you could find. They had Joy Division mm-hmm. in Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> nothing got my nothing got my yeah. heart revved up a lot more than like I jumped in a tank, put on level tear us apart, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, for me I it was so uh, cool. for me I was I was always rocking out to um, the Cure. You know, Friday, Friday, oh, yeah. Friday, I'm in love. You know, but it has the final countdown. It has uh, man eater. Has man eater. Has man eater. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. It's so great. Um, the weapons, the never-ending weapon upgrade system, the base building aspect, and then you can do the online kind of almost like fantasy football base. You know, like is the way I kind of I've always kind of described it. Base combat. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, where you're just you're just building up your base, and you have like a ranking, and and it's always engaging in war. Um, the world, the the it the open world. Um, you know that you get a that you are presented with you get to run around two different really regions you get Africa and Afghanistan this is going on right you know in the pseudo history of uh, 1984 when the Russians had invaded Afghanistan exactly um, you know quiet I think is a great addition to the Metal Gear kind of super villain ish you know esque kind of um, kind of character you battle another Metal Gear you get to meet young, uh, you know, lo- young Liquid Snake. Um, you get to meet, yes, you get to meet Eli. You, yeah, you get to meet young. Um, he's Psycho got. A, he's got. Yeah, young Psychomantis. The cool thing with Eli uh, Liquid Snake is like, he's got this real like Lord of the Flies thing. Yes, he does. Like, yes, he does. Kind of. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, I liked. It, this is a game though that makes you. Wonder, in between the events of this game and the first Metal Gear Solid, what the heck happened to Ocelot to make him the way he was? I mean, let's not forget, he's a, he's a triple agent. Right. You know? And explaining Ocelot's story is just it's as insane as explaining the series it's too hard. Yeah. itself. Yeah. Because then by the time by the time you get to Metal Gear Solid Four, it's like I don't even know where it's like it gets it gets so difficult to explain. And obviously just by the uh Name of this, you know, channel, YouTube, podcast, uh, channel. I am an enormous Metal Gear fan. Uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid. I, I, I would argue. I still argue to this day. You know, with with maybe the exception of like you know, Legend of Zelda, Super Mario, uh, Metal Gear is right there in terms of the best quality of games. I mean, I think you could. I think you. Could, I could make a strong argument that um, I, I've put together in my head this kind of you know this this top ten Metal Gear games. Um, mm-hmm. But I would make an argument that at least the top six are ten out of ten regular games. I mean, Metal Gear is consistently gets ten out of ten. So, I mean, Metal Gear Solid three, Metal Gear Solid four, Metal Gear Solid one, um, two. I think takes a little bit of a step back, although it is my favorite Metal Gear Solid. Mine too, actually. Yeah, um, five is just uh, five got a ten out of ten, and it wasn't even finished. For, I mean, that's yeah. how good of a game it is, right? Um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I always, I always have five just a little bit above Peace Walker because it takes a lot of the stuff that Peace Walker did, which of course on the PSP and just does it a little bit better now that it's on the PS4. Uh, you know, right, Xbox, exactly. Yeah, Xbox as well. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five. It's uh, I'm still hoping and praying that it gets a, a. I don't know why. I just like if people when people ask me, it's like, hey, what's the what's the one the one game that you 
uh, would want ported to the Switch. I'm like Metal Gear Solid Five. I know it can run it because it game it ran it on the X, it. it ran on the Xbox 360 and PS3. So it could definitely run on the Switch. Um, if right. it came out of the Switch, like, all right, see you guys later. I'm going to go, like, you know. I'll replay the game. I'll I don't replay, care. I'll replay the game well, absolutely. a million I'll gladly times. replay yeah. that game. Yeah, it's just great. You can. It's just, it takes everything that the Metal Gear Solid games have done uh, and just throws it into a new kind of environment. Um, you get a horse you get to ride around on. Um, you get a doggy. The, the you, get a, you get a cute little doggy that you get, get like, dog. your stuff. The dog's, I, yeah, the the arm dog's is great. my favorite, and yeah. You could shoot the arm, mm-hmm. which is fun to do. I like the lightning, um, where you can just hold it up in the sky and it just like Thor thunders down on everyone. And there's suns. so many different options you could you could do with this stuff. It's just absolutely great. Yeah. But um, it, it's it, it takes that um, it started with Metal Gear Solid Two, where you could switch to the the first person mm-hmm. you could like shoot and stuff. And they redid that for Twin Snakes on the GameCube, and this just takes that and makes it even better. If you didn't mm-hmm. think it could get any better. Uh, my favorite part of this game, which has absolutely nothing to do with the Metal Gear story, is because the one reason this went through development hell is because of Kojima was trying to also do Silent Hills. Yes. And it didn't happen. It's one of the reasons he walked away from Konami. It's one of the reasons why this game was never finished. And, But if you played PT, the playable trailer for Silent Hill, you you heard that that radio broadcast about the news and the police about the murder and everything that happens in the house that you're playing in in that that playable trailer that demo they took that radio broadcast and i found it i found it in phantom pain mm-hmm. i have it recorded on my xbox dvr actually so if you just scroll down my thing at your local wizard it's my gamer tag but uh, yeah. you can find my video. I go into a tent because it's how you find the cassette tapes for the songs because mm-hmm. you hear stuff playing. I heard a broadcast. I snuck into the tank. The, and all of a sudden, like, I could hear it. That radio broadcast from Silent Hills. And I was like, what? I was like, this is in the game. I was like, so I DVR'd it and have a, a video clip of it. So, yeah. It's great. That was pretty cool. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, I could talk for hours about just Metal Gear Solid 5 and 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 where I think it ranks. So, I mean, for me, it's almost like, I mean, to, to even rank it, you know, in terms of the best video games of all time, I mean, it's easily in the top 100, top 50. I mean, for me, it comes down to which Metal Gear do I think is the best. I mean, that's Ooh. how good this franchise is, and that's how great this is as an addition to that franchise. Because, I mean, I think, I, I mean, for it's you just start looking at the, at the list of games. I have it in my top five Metal Gear Solid games, and that's just a, at a, it's just a test to how great, great the franchise is. Oh, boy. I would have <laughs> I would have it at five, but that's only because, I mean, it's only because, I mean, how do you argue Metal Gear Solid 5 against Metal Gear Solid 1, right? I mean, Metal Gear Solid 1 changed video gaming forever. Metal Gear Solid 3, I think, is the best Metal Gear I think if you are it because it because to me Metal Gear Solid Three is the one that if you are a Metal Gear fan it is the one you will appreciate the most. Snake Eater. Metal Gear yeah. Metal Gear Three was um Metal Gear was Solid extremely 3 heartbreaking yeah. for me. It was a heartbreaking game, but it was awesome. It's awesome so game. it's so good. It, but Metal Gear, I mean, it's not it's Metal Gear Solid Five. Like saying Metal Gear Solid Five is uh, you know then I think you I think you have to have a place for Metal Gear the original. 
um, and then Metal Gear Solid Four. It's it's so tough for me between four and five, just because five is is a better gaming experience from a gameplay perspective, but mm-hmm. four's story is so good and so much more epic. I mean, the ep- like every Metal Gear game has epic moments, right? I mean, every game has these absurd epic moments. But 4 takes those epic moments and puts them so far over the top, right? And then the best part of that game is you you have fought – in Metal Gear Solid 4, there are moments where you have fought – you fight revolver os liquid ocelot right on top of a battleship like outside of a you know it, that is that that you just like marched your way through and like two seconds before that you just crawled through literally a microwave laser uh, to get to that battle and you're you you go through all the music and all the different fighting styles of all the different games um, and all of those moments don't even compare to the epicness that is the final cutscene of that game. Like, the final conversation in that game, which takes place in a graveyard, is so epic <laughs> that you're just like, after all of the things you've done in the game, it's just, it's, that's like, that's the only, that's like, to me, that's the biggest difference between a four and five. Five, as a gameplay-wise, way better than a four. Oh, it's so good. But the, the story of four is just too good. It's just, it's too good. It's, it's. I know most of the story of four, but I actually didn't play four because I didn't have a PS3. Oh, uh, you have to. It's yeah. It's the the ending to. The, I know the, most of the things that happen in it, but it's like the ending yeah, to the franchise. I, it's just it's so it's so phenomenal. So, and I will say that I do prefer Big Boss over Solid Snake. Um, I think I do too. As, actually, as 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 a character, not that Solid Snake isn't great or amazing. I'm just saying, like, oh, of the two, I think I just like. I think I just like Big Boss a little bit more. I think Boss has more depth uh, to him. Yeah, he. Yeah, I just feel like. Yeah, he. He definitely. Yeah, he definitely does. So, um, and of course, in this game, you're not even Big Boss. You're just some guy who thinks he's Big Boss. But again, it's great. So, and I like Raiden. Other people don't. I liked Raiden before they turned him. Into yeah, a, I like Raiden. I like. I, I, I like. I, I like him before they turned him into a cyborg ninja. You know, so. <sighs> Metal Gear <Goddamn> right. <laughs> Solid Five. Again, we could talk hours. So. Um, okay, so that was 2015. Do you have anything in 2016? I don't. Okay, I do have something in 2016. Um, I got this game. I think it came out around Christmas. I think it was a big November game. Um, and I remember uh, getting ready for it and, and, and putting it in. And I remember I remember looking at it and saying, how are you going to take this 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 huge rpg franchise and you're going to turn it into kind of an open world action adventure but you know i'd played all the other uh you know 14 games at least at at some point in this franchise minus the you know tons of side quest games and about two weeks later after i had plowed through this on christmas break i just sat there and i was like that might be my that might have taken the mantle uh, for me as my favorite Final Fantasy game. I'm talking about, oh. I'm talking about Final Fantasy fifteen. The moment they when I remember when they were showing previews of the PlayStation four and they were showing all the games that were supposed to be coming out. I remember looking at the trailers and just thinking, Yeah, it looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And then I saw Final Fantasy fifteen's uh, trailer. And yeah. I remember thinking, that's the reason I'm buying a PlayStation four. 
Now, Final Fantasy XV has kind of a weird history because if you remember way back, I think it was like 2008 or nine or something like that, there was the trailers for Final Fantasy XIII. And then there was the trailers for this game called Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen, And they were going to make like two Final Fantasy Thirteens, And then one of them got put on hold and the other got produced. So the Final Fantasy Thirteen we got was the original one. But this game was also in development roughly the same time. And so they turned Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen into Final Fantasy XV. Uh, Noctis, uh, Ignis, you know, Gladius, and, and you know, Pomp, and Pomp, uh, you know, Pompey is just Prompto, excuse me, um, just just four bros, you know, driving around this world. Uh, you know, you're on the run from this imperial kind of army that had destroyed your, you, you killed your dad, and and um, you know, taken over your kingdom, and you're kind of on the run. Um, as you as you go through the story, but it's it's great because it's it's I remember when I think back to like Final Fantasy seven and playing that and, you know, you get on your, you get on your chocobos outside in, your, in the big map and you go from town to town and you get there's cool stuff you get to do in the towns. But it always felt like, all right, you know, there's just like it didn't feel like it was all connected. This it feels the way in uh, the world in a Final Fantasy game should feel it feel it looks and feels the way I I kind of imagined it being. Back when I was playing you know, Final Fantasy VII, um, the combat never got old for me. The you know there's 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 a lot of other stuff. You, you know there's fishing, there's camping, um, there's kind of this like dog. You know there's a kind of this like pit fighting arena where you can bet on stuff. Um, the only criticism I slightly had of the game was I felt the story was kind of weak. You know, a, a, a little bit when I when I first played it, I, mean, I was like, you know, the story is like it's not like crazy amazing or anything, but it's definitely it's definitely good. But then really, they expanded upon that so much in the DLC. And there's also a movie you can watch, uh, you know, like that come that that goes along with it. Um, and yeah, I wish I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I really wish I did. Yeah, I didn't, though. Yeah. And it's it's just. The I mean the the DLC drastically uh, gives you a lot more backstory into what's going on in this game, and I just love it, man. I love Final Fantasy Fifteen. I just I actually just recently uh, purchased the Windows version with all of the DLC because I didn't do that. I just platinumed the game on PS4 and and put it down. But I've actually just started replaying it, uh, and it's great. And I remember, I remember thinking when I was playing, I was like, I can't wait to play this in like ten years when they do some sort of, you know, like eight K version or whatever it is we have, we have, <laughs> we have then, and I can see it in even better graphics. Yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen really um, surprised me, like big time. Uh, I I bought it on the um, the three sixty. I mean, not the three sixty, the one the Xbox One yeah. when it came out. I bought that. And uh, I just the the world was just it's just this kind of like great great exp- like melding of a lost age mm-hmm. and a new age, mm-hmm. and it it just I don't I don't know what it was. It was almost like. You're in like these modern cities, and then you're more in like these rustic cities. 
And then you have Noctis and his gang looking like, you know, modern day young adults. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Imperial Army with like these night suits, but they're carrying like machine guns and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm kind of just like, it shouldn't work, but it does work. Mm-hmm. And it's just just Final Fantasy for you. That, in long story short, that's all I could really say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, you know, I think the leveling up system in this is is kind of cool too. In that, you know, the longer you stay out, right, the more experience you earn. But you you have to you have to rest to cash in that experience, right? And so it gives you a little bit of that risk reward. Like oh, I don't know, I don't want to die. Uh, and when you start out at night, like your car is not equi- like you you can't go out at night, right? Because the monsters are too strong. So I think kind of like the power scaling in the game like works really well. So by the um, you know early on, it's like God, I can't go out there. Like I don't want to get wrecked. So you have like I gotta make sure I get down back to town before dark. Uh, and then by the end, you know you're just wrecking everything that uh, that comes along. I was always making sure I got back to town before Yo, you, dark. Yeah, man. you have to. Yeah, you you, you have to early on. Um, I also kind of I, know, I always thought it was kind of cool, like where you, you know you can just like warp around, right? You're Noctis, you can kind of warp around the battlefield. Um, yeah, that was so much fun. It's just the combat is so fluid. It's so much. It is just it is just so much fun. And then the driving, man, you get you drive around, you get to listen to all the Final Fantasy music. Um, you get to go into the getting jobs. I thought was fun. You get to go do the bounties. Uh, the chocobo racing was great. Uh, you get the chocobos later on. I thought I thought some of the dungeons and and, and side quests in the at the end game stages were awesome. You get the uh, the big turtle or whatever that you fight at the very very end, where you have to do like a million a million points of damage, and it takes roughly an hour. It's not really hard, but it just takes forever. Um, I didn't fight that thing, and I'm glad I didn't fight uh, that thing. Yeah, I, was, I, went, the, I went around that. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like, it's not really hard by the end of the game. You're just you're so powerful that you just it's just kind of managing. But it just takes it takes an hour. I mean, it just it takes an hour to beat. Um, and so I did it because it's the final trophy I needed for my for my platinum. But yeah, I mean, nice. final Final Fantasy 15. It's just I mean, it's just it's just one of those games where I I just sat down, I played it, and I was just like, yeah, this is. I just loved it, you know, and so I mean, for me, it's 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 even question. I'm like, is this actually? Do I like this more than Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy IX or Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or Final Fantasy Tactics? I mean, that's where I have it in my in my ranking of of Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy XV is actually also I'm going to give it a lot of credit for it. it, it it's the reason I went back and played seven. And fell in love with Seven because I used to, I I think I've said this on a couple of episodes. I, I hated Seven when I was younger because I just didn't get it. And when all this hype was building around Final Fantasy Fifteen, I was like, you know what? Let me go back and play Seven right before this comes out. And I did, and I was just like, yes. And it made me understand a lot other aspects of Final Fantasy. So that's why when I was playing Fifteen, I was just like, okay, I get this. I get this too, and just. I I just didn't expect that left turn it took with with Arden. I was kind of just like, "Oh God, you are so screwed up, dude!" Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so what? Where? What? What? What do you have next? I have quite a few games for 2017. Okay, I have only one game in 2017. I've got one, two. I have technically three. Because one of the games came out in 2017, but was also re-released this year oh, okay. as a port. Okay. So I could I could save the the other one for 2019. 
Um, I have one game in 2019, so I only have I only have three games left, one of which is my number one. So uh, you can you can go, then I'll, then I'll go, and then you finish out, and then we'll we'll see where we are from there. All right, this, this is a short one. I'm going to do my take as long my as you first want. 2017 is um, most people aren't really get to see what the big deal of this is but for me personally this game was a big deal and that was fire pro wrestling world 2017 spike chunchsoft of course i was putting a wrestling game on my list Obviously. guys why why though it's just a wrestling game you might think guys we're in an age where every freaking wrestling game that comes out is a wwe 2k game that's not me knocking the wwe 2k games though that's not me knocking they are Beautiful, beautiful games. Well, but not from what I've heard from the new one. I, oh, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everything, the 2K, any 2K game in general, for the most part, you could say is almost a, a simulated game mm-hmm. at this point. And in an age where that's all we're kind of getting, uh, Spike Chunsoft answered the call with Fire Pro Wrestling World and giving us a more arcade kind of styled wrestling game again. But not only is it an arcade kind of style, it's a game that forces you to build a strategy because the goal of Fire Pro Wrestling is to always build a match. You have to build the match, kind of like how you would be watching it on TV. You know, that's how you get your match rankings up and everything and stuff like that too. And this is also the first Fire Pro Wrestling we've gotten since 2006. Wow. Fire Pro Returns on the PS2. And... To boot, we also got an added New Japan Pro Wrestling roster. And just a little while ago, they released a roster for Stardom Wrestling, which is an all-female promotion in Japan as well. So, But with all of that, while we have that, and you have also every Fire Pro game has its in-game roster as well, you just have the endless customization options to make the superstars you know in the real world. And the best part is, is that People are going to take the time to customize them on their own and upload them all to share with you. So you could just keep downloading countless wrestlers of the real world that people have made for your pleasure, basically. And also, um, it's not even just wrestlers, but uh, custom ring mats and stuff, too. So you could tailor the arenas to, like, you can make it look like a WWE arena or a New Japan arena. WCW. WCW, exactly. And WA, even. And it's all, all that is free. You download all of that content that is created by other players for free. You have awesome match types. It's like, okay, you have your singles match. You have your tag team match. You have a cage match. You have death matches. I've never seen any other wrestling games give us death matches. You get hardcore matches, but this has death matches. And I think I, the, the 2.5D has just such charm and originality. Fire Pro is uh, a staple in uh, wrestling games. And it's a series that um, has a severe cult following that people even go back and play uh, the older ones, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and um, that, that's, that's just really it. It was a wrestling game that I personally needed for a long time. And uh, I love it. I love it still to this day. Yeah. So fire pro wrestling world. Yeah, it's on Steam. I keep saying it. I want to buy it. I just, uh, I'm sure I will. But you know, we were talking about some other games that I was like, you know, I want to buy that, and I just bought it before we we started here. So I need to put the uh, <laughs> put the put the brakes a little bit on my uh, spending here um, uh, for a game you're probably going to talk about that I just bought. So we'll we'll, we'll hold off on that too. I, if I had to take a guess, I guess <laughs> that you're going to talk about that game too. So I'm not trying to uh, keep, keep spoiling all your games here, but yeah, I mean Fire Pro. 
you know, to me, it looks like, you know, I still argue to the day that the best wrestling game ever is WWF No Mercy. And again, one of the things was it wasn't necessarily endless customization, but the customization was so simple and it it just gave you so many options that it was great. The move set was, you know, phenomenal in that in that game. Um, you know, one of the things I think that the WWE games have struggled in is that. You know, since the the PS, you know, the PlayStation Two, Three, the Ukes, uh, and and um, the the other company that was uh, involved in that before Two K, um, who's Ukes and who's the other developer on that? Well, it was t- uh, before before Ukes. I think it was um, Activision. No, 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 no. no, no there's there's two there's two parties that have been working on the games forever, and Ukes just left, which was the big deal. Oh, I think THQ is the other one. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Th- well, THQ. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, regardless, uh, whatever. But, um, you know, it's always like the created superstars just never looked like the regular superstars. And so there would always just be this big, drastic mismatch. And so it's just it just never really felt great to play as a created wrestler unless you're playing against other created wrestlers because the other superstars just looked so much better. Um, and so that's one of the things I loved about WWF No Mercy because you had everybody used all the same assets. And that's one of the cool things that I that draws me to want to play Fire Pro is because everybody uses exactly. the same assets, right? And so exactly. now you have a game that is that where it's it's simple but expansive, right? There's a lot you can do with it because everyone's just using everyone's lot. using the same tools. And we live in the world now where you can mod and do whatever, and so you can literally any wrestler you want with any attire that you want with any arena that you want, you can play in this game, and that's it. And so it's just, here you go, and it's 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 like a, it's a it's a blank ca- canvas, and everyone has the same the same pencils, you know. I think or, I should also just make the note too that like the hit detection is absolutely great as well. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like for me, like, like good gameplay is a big part of what I think makes a good game, and this this gameplay is just solid. It's it's just a very very solid game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's certainly on my list to check out. I hope that at some point it gets a switch. Uh, port. I'm praying for that. I feel I'm like it's possible. I, I think it's I think it's possible because it is on PS4. It is on the PS4, right? Yeah, I, and so I I I think it's possible. So, um, okay. So my 2017 game, which I bought for the Wii U, but was also on the Switch. I will go ahead and say this right now. If I had to take a pick at what I felt was truly the single best game of the decade, uh, I mean, it's it's certainly my second most favorite game of the decade. Um, it's the game. It's well, we'll talk about it a little bit more when I get to my number one. But uh, in terms of a single player experience, it's my favorite game of the decade without question. And that is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I bought it. There we go. I bought it on the Wii U because uh, I was just holding out on the Switch. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, we're about, I'll buy a Switch at some point and I'll just buy it again. Screw it. And I did. I got it at Christmas. My, mo- my mom always gets me a game for Christmas. I was like, I want Breath of the Wild so I can play it on the Switch. Because um, I bought the Switch when Super Mario Odyssey came out. Um, so I had it on the Wii U and I've also played it on the Switch. Either way, it's fantastic. It is probably now it is the most beautiful game world I've ever ever played in um 
the game is absolutely stunning just in terms of look. It's this huge, massive, I mean massive, open world in which you can do, I mean, just about anything you want, really. Um, you know, it's it takes a few things away from kind of the standard Zelda formula, which is here's your eight dungeons, you get this item here, you get this item here, you get this item here, and instead they replace it with 120 little mini dungeon dungeons, and then four, um, I guess kind of five, if you really want to make that argument, um, the final one being kind of a dungeon, uh, big dungeons that uh, you can play in. And you every, every time you complete a dungeon, you get an orb, which you can use once you collect four and put it into a, another heart container, or a um, or, or stamina because now you can climb mountains. I mean, you can climb any mountain you see as long as it's not raining, which is certainly a uh, a, a thing a thing in this game. Um, you know, you have to wear armor. Uh, you are constantly collecting everything and anything you see. You get to cook food. You get to make potions. You you um you, they just really kind of switch the Zelda formula formula a little bit. And it just creates a completely new world to play in. Um, you're constantly picking up different weapons, different shields, different arrows that you uh, collect when you kill enemies. Um, the soundtrack in this game is actually really minimalist, but it just fits the world so well. You know, it's just like soft little piano strings like here and there. But it just really helps set the tone for the world that it, that is this game. Um you know, there's all these different regions and you you get a really kind of feel like you are out in the wild, which is what they were, which is what they were going for. Um, there are cut scenes that you see when you go find different areas because you're trying to link back to events that happened 100 years before the game uh, started. There was a big war between um, you know, Ganon uh, kind of taking over everything and these these divine champions. Uh, and so it's told through through memories that you encounter as you as you go. And the best thing about the game is from the, pretty much the second you get there's a little tutorial there at the start, but the second you leave that, it's up to you, man. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You want to go to the desert. You want to go to the the mountains. You want to go to the forest. You want to go to the ocean. You want to go straight to Ganon's castle. You can do that. You want to go find the master sword. Okay, you can. You don't have to. I highly recommend it, but you you do not have to. Um, I mean, whatever you want, it's it's there and it's it's great. They're, all the areas are named after different events that have taken place in the Zelda games, um, which allude to, you know, where does this game fit in the timeline? Um, I mean, I could talk forever about this game. I think I think the best thing I can say is that I remember watching a video. Um, like I'd say after I'd beaten the game for the first time and I was running around trying to collect all the stuff I didn't see and I was watching a video of somebody explain something and it was him and his friend and this guy was like I didn't know you could do that and that's the game is that there's so much stuff you can do that it's like wow I didn't know you could do that and it's like I've been 100 hours in and you'll find something new so it's it's just I mean it's it's the Legend of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild. I think it's probably. I think I would. I me personally, I think you could make a strong argument that it is better than Ocarina of Time or Link to the Past. Oh my God! Yeah. You might be the first person as well that I've ever heard say that. It's I I well I've said it before. I 
I think it's you could definitely make that argument. See, I have to play this game, and as a matter of fact, there's a lot of Zelda games I need to play. I've always liked Zelda, but I was never the biggest Legend of Zelda player. I've only ever beaten one Legend of Zelda game ever, which which, which was Oracle of Ages, mm-hmm. which I really, really enjoyed. I don't remember much of it because it was such a long time ago, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, been debating picking up Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for my 3DS mm-hmm. because those were ported. But you, yet, even though I haven't played a lot, I'm not going to deny the greatness of this game, this massive world that was a true showcase of what the Switch itself was capable of. But my one question is, and I'm surprised I never just looked this up on the internet or whatever, but I'm going to ask you because it, it'll, it'll probably be cool to have this answered on the show, but the ma- the Master Sword. Like, ba- based, since you can, like, create other weapons and stuff like that, is there a weapon that you could create that's better than the Master Sword? Or, like, once you get the Master Sword, you don't need anything else. Well, okay, here's the thing. So, initially... Yes and no. So the okay. Master Sword, um, so all of your weapons, including the Master Sword, can, you know, air quote, break. I mean, all of your other weapons, they will break. And so, you, but you're constantly finding new weapons, so it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. The Master Sword will break, but it just has to recharge, and it takes like 20 minutes. Um, but if you're inside of a dungeon or if you are fighting other specific types of enemies, the Master Sword will glow and the Master Sword will then go from like 20 power to 60 power, which is around where most of like the biggest heavy hitting weapons are. Um, if you're in a dungeon, the Master Sword is invincible. It won't break and you can use it full power. Then they released some DLC and you can kind of power the Master Sword up to where it doesn't break and it's at the full power all the time. Uh, but the, you have to, like, that's, like, post-game stuff. Uh, like, you know, so that was in, like, the, the one of the waves of, of, of DLC. So, um, yeah, but there definitely are other weapons. Um, you know, it just kind of it kind of depends on your situ- situation, kind of your, you know, scenario. Certain weapons are, work better against other people. If you are in the mountains and you are, fight- and you are fighting anything that's kind of ice-based, you can pull out a fire arrow or a bomb arrow or... Uh, a flame sword and it'll just like instantly kill them so there uh, you know if you use electricity items on, on you know water creatures and stuff like that you can kill them so it just kind of depends but yeah i mean mo- more often than not i mean if you get if you play the dlc you get your full powered up master sword there's um i wouldn't say there's not a reason to use other weapons um because there's a lot of different weapon types but i mean at that point yeah you're you're kind of looking at just the master sword <laughs> okay. but to even okay. get the master sword uh, is a trial. I'll bet, though. Yeah, yeah. you can't just you, you, mean, you, no you can't walk. just go get it. You have to you have to do a quest. You have to do a lot of um, dungeons to even unlock it. Oh boy. Yeah. So no, it's it is great. I mean, it's yeah. I would say yeah. I mean, I would say if you are, I think it, I think it would be fine as a lot of people's first Zelda. Um, I think it's I think for a lot of people who haven't played a lot of Zelda games don't know that, you know, some of the typical Zelda formulas. Um, if you are just somebody who's played a lot of action adventure games and you wanted to jump in, this would be an excellent, excellent place to start. If you have a switch, another great Zelda is the one that just came out. The Legend of Zelda, a link to the uh, Link's Awakening remake. Uh, it's fun. It's cute. Um, I beat it in a couple just over 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 a, a weekend because um, I 
I've played that one a million times, so I know like exactly where to go. But um, yeah, I Breath of the Wild. If you want to start with Breath of the Wild, you will not be disappointed. Nice. I'm going to make a note of that now. All right. All right, man. Well, I only have one game left besides my uh, my game of the decade. So. All right. I got. Actually, I have a couple. I have one, two. I have three. All right, man. My... Hey, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We're go- yeah. we're going. <laughs> we're cruising. Well, you and I have had you and I have had a handful of of shared games. So. That's true. That mm-hmm. is true. Actually, yeah. Um. All right, my next 2017 game. Uh, I did Super Mario Odyssey. Hey, that's great. Had to do it. Had to do it. And again, this is another game. Is what more can be said about this that hasn't been said? It's a masterpiece. Um, you know, it's a game set in such an iconic series. You know, the Super Mario series, and it gives. Perfect homages to its previous installments, all while creating something new. And we got fun new worlds, characters, music. It's nothing short of a Mario game, you know? And and I'm going to say I think this might be the best Mario game ever. The controls are beyond intuitive. Um, You know, it's... Transition to the 2D sections, is, to the 3D is so parts fun. is so much fun. I, I really like the part at the end where it's like you're controlling Bowser, basically. Like you possessed Bowser with yep. Cappy. And it's like it goes into that 2D version where it's like you're playing as Bowser from like the first Mario game. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so, so clever. That makes it fresh. Mm-hmm. It was smooth. It was fun. Uh, the Jumpman bit might have been my it's favorite part, part in New Donk. It is, yeah. it is the best. And they're playing the song that, with Paulina singing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the best. Yeah, and if and if anything, though, um, Super Mario Odyssey raised the one question um, for me uh, for Super Smash Brothers. Can we get Pauline I in know. Super Smash Brothers? I know. Like, we got Daisy. Mm-hmm. And um, what's her face from uh, Galaxy? Uh, Rosalina. I didn't play Galaxy. Yes, that's it. But, um... Yeah, it's just – it's like Super Mario is something like like Pokemon in a sense where it's like it's been going for so long. It's just like are we ever going to get tired of it? But it's just like – No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, it. I remember I remember when the game when the game was coming out because I was I, – I, I, that's when I bought my Switch. I bought my Switch when when this game was coming out because I was like, you know, I could still – when I Breath of the Wild, I, I bought on the Wii U because I was like, well, whatever. I'll play it on the Wii U because I have a Wii U. And – um. And then Mario Odyssey came out. I was like, all right, it's time to get a Switch and, and get Mario Odyssey. And I remember listening to the song, right? The jump up, you know, you, you know, song. And, you know, which is, yeah. it's so, it's, it's, it's so absurd of a song, right? I mean, it's, it's just, it's so absurd, but it's so Nintendo and it's just so damn charming that you just can't help but smile while you're, you know, while you're listening. It's that Disney kind of magic. That, that that Nintendo pulls that's off a with very Super Mario. good uh, comparison. Yeah, that's a very good comparison. And there's and, there, and this I, game has a ton of end game content. Once you beat the game, you unlock tons of new stuff to go do. Yeah, yeah, like like going to Peach's Castle. Mm-hmm. Yep, and from, you can use Yoshi from there. Super Mario sixty four, and it's the same one. And you even get to go play some of the Super Mario sixty four levels. It's so great. I love how original the new bosses were. Mm-hmm. They, those 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 were so clever. Like. That that's that's what always got me. It, it, it's just that 
you, their ability to add new types of enemies and bosses into the Super Mario world mm-hmm. and still have them be so incredibly fresh. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, and I'll say the the best thing about this game, and I think this is why they did it, is because this was coming out for the Switch, and they knew this was going to be a lot of people's first Mario game. The, this game teaches you, without tutorials, teaches you along the way, you know, with Cappy, okay, taking over this guy to uh, to conquer this one, take over this guy to conquer this challenge, you know, take over this guy to conquer this challenge. The difficulty curve, they train you along the way in such a good way without, re, with that, with just, it's so intuitive that you're like, okay, 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 okay. As you progress, you kind of realize, okay, I'll use this guy for this challenge um and it's just it's great it's it's such a smart way of doing it without really having a tutorial and i think it works great for a lot of people's first mario game definitely most definitely because the best part with any mario game is i think with mario you could jump in at any game because it's always just such a a simple a story but the gameplay is so accessible but it, it just gets kind of more complex as you go on but I think a lot of Mario games do that as as you go further and further in. With what you've dealt with already, it teaches you how to deal with like what's to come, basically. Mm-hmm. And and um, I feel like... I don't know. One thing I do have to say for sure is actually, at first, when they introduced um, Odyssey, I was like, whoa. But I was kind of weirded out at first about the idea of New Dunk City. Mm-hmm. But once you actually play yeah, it, it's, it's great. It's like, this is great. I don't know why I <laughs> ever right. like second guess this part of the game. And not to mention, that's where the best part of the game comes in again with the with the Jumpman mm-hmm. homage when you save New Dunk and everything. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's so it's. So oh, perfect. yeah. Yeah. OK. All right, man. What, what, what's next? Uh, 2018, I guess we're moving into. Yeah, I've got two titles in 2018. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with All right, I'm going to do this one first. I'm going to do a game. I've never actually played this game. It's been on my list to play for a very, very long time. And now that it's on the Switch, I think I'm going to get that version of it. Because I could have gotten this easily on the Xbox One when it came out. This should give some kind of hint to what game I'm talking about. Um, that's Cuphead. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never played Cuphead. But I can't deny the impact that this game had studio mdhr it's a running gun platform shooter with that and 1930s cartoon aesthetic and the best part about that is that's hand drawn mm-hmm. that was literally hand drawn and watercolor painted and then further updated to a degree in photoshop to make accessible for uh you know, I guess gameplay purposes or or whatever, and you know to get everything animated and and moving. But it's like when was I can't really debate the last time we had a game of that kind of style. I mean, probably not ever with the 1930s like cartoon mm-hmm. style. You know, like total callback to like Steamboat Willie and, and stuff. Yeah, like I mean, that there's a handful of those kind of Steamboat Willie levels in Kingdom Hearts. Right, but it's not. It's not like the entire game is like that. Yeah, and it's and the, and that's still more three D esque kind of like 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 you could see the influence of of all that older stuff. But like those Kingdom Hearts games are always three D and everything. And um, I feel like, of course, you have a lot of indie games that go two D and everything and stuff like that. 
but not like this. And this could have easily just like fallen under the radar and like fell into that category of like not well known indie games. This was a smash hit and it took the world by storm. Um I felt like f- for a bit there were a I felt like there was an excess of games that were coming out that really held people's hand. And a little bit before Cuphead, we started getting games like like Dark Souls. I know that's mm. just such an easy game to point out, but it was a game with a very hard uh, difficulty curve, you know. And with the advent of that, we got Cuphead, which was just as unforgiving. I said I never played it, but I've heard the tales. I've watched the gameplay. It's an unforgiving game. Extremely difficult, it looks like. So I know I'm. it's probably going to test my patience um, when I play it. Um, you know, it's like it's got that fun little story where it's like it's it's you and um, I think uh, what's his uh, what's his uh, partner's name like Mug Mughead. Yeah, I I, I, yeah, I, I have not played Cuphead, so I I'm kind of at a loss. I mean, I've I've seen it. It looks it looks amazing. I just personally haven't played it, so I am I'm a little unfamiliar with with the. It's kind of like this um, Pinocchio standpoint. Yeah. I could best compare it to where it's like you know, it's like they're just like two buds like trying to do the right thing and it's like don't go to the casino oh but you went to the casino oh and you bet your souls to the devil right you know and and then it's like you know the devil has contract over your souls but it's like okay but he has other debts to collect so if you go collect those other debts he'll let you go so that's cool that's fun but that's a real callback i think to old oh yeah absolutely uh, yeah absolutely big time so it's it I, i feel like it's 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 uh it's a love letter to so much of that that older content and i felt like that is a good way to get people to be like oh let me go back and look at all of this old st- like let, let's face it i feel like there's a lot of people that don't care about reading up on the history of things no and just with the way this game was created if you were a big fan of it it might make you curious to look at that stuff that happened way back when mm-hmm. you know so that that's it. I mean, it's just I like when it came out. I just wasn't expected to be this revolutionary, and and it was. And I, I, it's been on my list for the longest time, and I never got to it. And now that it's on the Switch, I'm just like I. I think I could have a lot of fun with this, just like playing it on the go or whatever, mm-hmm. just like when I when I need to. So so yeah, Cuphead. I uh, that's that's that made it to my list nice. for my my top of ten. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have? What do you have next? Okay, this came out at the beginning of 2018, and this was something that I've been waiting for since the PS2, and this was Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been a fan of Monster Hunter, like I said, since the PS2, since the first one came out, where it was received extremely poorly. Game Informer gave it like a 3.2. I'll never forget reading that review and getting so mad, like, these guys don't know what they're talking about, man. And then it was like, okay, like, let me, uh, you know, let me cool my jets for a minute. Um, I like the game, and that should be enough for me. And I played the hell out of it, and I enjoyed it. But it had its flaws. It wasn't balanced that well, and it was a lot harder before they re-released it on the PSP, where it started to get a better cult following. Because by that point, 
online multiplayer was more accessible. Mm-hmm. And that was really the kind of point. There isn't a lot to Monster Hunter for anyone that hasn't played it. They try to make a story out of it, but it's really not that important. You go, you hunt giant monsters, you, you harvest them for parts, you make cool armor, you make cool weapons, and it allows you to go fight things that are tougher. And... um. So yeah, it's a simple simple premise, um, and I felt like once it got to the PSP and then the 3DS, which was that was actually the primary reason I bought the 3DS because well, that's when one, three though. came out. Because to me, the biggest Monster Hunter was Monster Hunter Three for the Wii. That was that was when I remember everybody playing it. I that's right, it did come out on the Wii. I totally forgot. You know, because I was so focused on the 3DS version. Right. I think that's probably why I forgot about it. But the but, Wii, the Wii version, which then got a a, um, a Wii U port. Uh, I think it's Monster Hunter Three, right? Monster Hunter Three. Yeah, that's, that's the, the one. one I remember. Everyone, all of my friends playing. I mean, hardcore playing. Yeah, so like, so you had that. Um, what now? Two, two is an interesting story because. We didn't really get to on the PS2. That was just Japan. But then they released that on the PSP, plus an expanded version called uh, Unite. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then 3 came out on the Wii and the 3DS. I went out, bought a 3DS. I was like, yes. 4 came out. That By that point, online play was a lot more accessible and a lot easier to accomplish. So that's that made the games a lot more appealing. Because it, it does get really, really hard, Monster Hunter. And it is better to have a team especially a team you could communicate with because you could develop strategies like one person could go to one part of the map and set up a trap and another person could lure the monster there and it it, it makes for an exciting uh co-op experience and they looked great and i had a lot of fun with them on the 3ds you had three you had four you had generations but i always thought we need something that is like graphic wise is a marvel Mm mm-hmm and we finally got it with this. The monsters look absolutely breathtaking. The older games, your maps were like technically open, but there were different zones and there was loading time to go into those different zones. This is a seamless transition for your zones. So it's a big, more open, and I'm going to say again, living world. I've used that term uh, earlier for a couple of games. And that was awesome. And the gameplay by this point, I think, became very uh, intuitive as well. It was a very easy game, I think, to uh, jump into. It has a great, great tutorial mode to give, to give you the basics of what you need to know to survive. And it has countless different uh, weapon types for you to you know, find your niche, really. Mm-hmm. You could have a great sword, a giant long sword, a bow and arrow, um, a bow gun, a giant bow gun, uh, a hunting horn, um dual blade swords, uh, a lance, a gun lance. It, it just goes on and on. Uh, a glaive, which is like this cool like staff kind of thing. I tend to switch between three types of weapons, actually, and that's the long sword, the heavy bow gun, and the horn. And the cool part about the horn is, um, not that this is important or anything, the horn's a buff weapon. It's a great support weapon. While you can attack monsters with this thing, if you hit certain button sequences, it plays a song. And your song buffs your party. It it's a real, real difference maker, and I'm glad I started to use them. It's so much fun. But if you've seen the older games on like the PSP or the 3DS versions, you ain't seen anything yet until you've played uh, World. And not only that, like I said, 
those those games eventually got a cult following. But this was the game to finally like put Monster Hunter on the map. It got award it got it got game awards for it and this was a game that got the series finally into the mainstream and the, the world map where I think it so desperately needed to be for for so so long and I I'm just happy that it was um met with praise finally mm-hmm. on on a larger larger scale yeah Monster Hunter World from uh, from Capcom. Yeah, you know the Monster Hunter. It's a franchise that every time, I just wish I had more time, and I would be, I would. It could be very grindy. It could be yeah, very. Yeah, I would be. I would. I would be certainly far more involved um, in it. But it's 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 one of those fran- it's 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 like one of those franchises where I'm like, man, I just wish I, um, I wish I was was I wish I was more into that franchise. Not that it's not that it's bad or anything. It's just one of those. It's, it's time. It's all about time. It's. Exactly, yeah, it's time. And I just, right. I'm, I'm one of those guys where I, I like to play about five games. You know, I have five games going at once, and that's one where it's like, no, I need to have one game going, right? And dedicate, really dedicate to it. Yeah, I had like over like 200 hours into that game, and I was just like, you know what? There's a lot of other stuff I need to play. Yeah. Uh, this ain't going anywhere. Uh, they keep updating it, they keep adding stuff to it. It just got a great, great expansion back in September called uh, Iceborne, and it introduced more classic monsters from the series that I've been so desperately waiting for to get this graphic upgrade to. And it's just, it's everything I, I'd ever wanted in a Monster Hunter game. I still have my older Monster Hunter games on the 3DS, and I they always hold a special place in my heart, but I gotta be real here. When you've played World, there's absolutely no reason to go back. Yeah. There really, there, there, re- there really, okay. really isn't. So that's the one to go. Definitely. Okay. All right. Definitely. Um, okay. How many games do you have? You should have two games I, left, including your yeah, big one, right? Yeah, I have uh, one that was split into twenty seven and twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, and then my uh, what I my, then my favorite. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So I will go because uh, I I think I'm pretty sure I already know what your twenty nineteen game is. Um, and then we'll, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and yep. go first because I think technically mine came out just a handful of days before uh, yours. So, um, easily my game of this year uh, is really my first venture into this franchise. Um, my brother loves it to death. I have played other games of this style, but this is really my first my first venture into the Fire Emblem franchise. Oh man, here we go. <laughs> so never did I think that I would one be really buying a Fire Emblem game and then realizing about a month afterwards that I had played through it four times, all four campaigns, and had sunk over 120 hours into it. And we're talking Fire Emblem Three Houses. This game, I it's been, it's been a long time since I really felt like a game just gripped me, and I was just hooked, right? Um, last year, it was, uh, it was Spider-Man for the PS4. I was just I was locked in. I really wish I played that oh, game. By the way, it's so good. It's so it's so good. Um, it all it was very close to making my top ten. But this year, it's it's Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, so you know, it's it's Fire Emblem yeah, is known for a lot of things. It's a franchise where um, you your main characters can die. Right. If you if you play the classic mode, you can play a casual mode where they don't do that. But then they're they're gone forever. Right. So it really adds a lot to that strategy element of is it worth it 
to beat this battle and lose this character. Um, so that's kind of like the, the big thing for, for Fire Emblem. But um, I played through uh, my first time in casual mode because like well, this is the first time I'm playing it. I want to make sure I, I finish. Otherwise, you know, I, I may just get bogged down. Um, and then I played the rest in casual just because once you beat it the first time, it has a really interesting new game plus. And there are four story paths you can take. So, um, but when you get to the new game plus, you don't necessarily, you can choose to play, you can like, you can buy certain perks back. And so you could be like, okay, well, I want to go, because there's all these different character paths, there's all these different classes, and you can go through a different class every time, but you can say, all right, well, I want to max out my store, my last time I beat the game, I maxed out my sword stat. And so I want my sword to be maxed out. So you can kind of sprint through the other playthroughs. Um, you still have to level up and stuff, but at least like that skill will be maxed. So it makes it nice. certainly a lot, nice. certainly a lot easier. But you can choose, so you don't have to. So that's a that's it's one of the best new game pluses I've seen. So there are four um, playthroughs. There is three different houses. So you are like a professor at this monastery. So the way the the way the story kind of works is. You are in this uh, it's this country, I guess, called Fodlan. And there, Fodlan is split up into really three different areas, really kind of four. Um, you have the church, which is in the middle, which is kind of like the big seat of power. Um, and then you have the you have the you have the Leicester Alliance, the Kingdom of Fargus, and I always forget the name of the alliance, um, but or the um, Empire. I think it's like it's not Austrian Empire, but it's it's kind of like that or something like that it's not obviously not the austrian empire but it's something like that it starts with an a or an e or something like that i forget not important, not important. <laughs> and so essentially um without real i don't total spoilers here so if you're if you don't want to be spoiled here um you have to pick one of the houses and then you go through that story's arc right and every arc um at the end, you, you, they all kind of go to war with each other. And then there's also the, the church is one of those also seats of power. Um, and it's all because one of the houses wants to basically overthrow the church because they say, you know, we want to create our own, um, you, you know, ruling body. But they want to take over the country. So you get basically you play through um, your specific house and you get to see all of your characters and learn all about them. And so you learn the story, you learn different sides of the story, depending on which side you play on. So you really have to do go back and play through all four sides and all four sides. Stories are great. They are exceptional. The combat is so much fun. I just, I just love powering up my characters, building up their classes, uh, monitoring what's all going on. Each house has different um, strengths and weaknesses. So the kingdom, which is my favorite house, has is really good at cavalry. They have people, more people with lances and and um, you know archers. So cavalry class. Then you have another one which is a little more magic based. Another one which is a little more um, you know like sword kind of axe based. And so you just get you play every playthrough feels a little bit different, and um, there's just tons. I mean, there's so much stuff to do. They're, they've just added more um, content to it with DLC, where you it's all about um, you know building up the characters, building building the relationships with them, building up their story, and it's all told through little cutscenes you have with each individual character. Every character has relationships with the other characters. I don't mean like romantic, but. Um, Right, nice. And so you get to see how they interact with all these other characters, and then you can steal people from other houses. houses? And, what? Yeah, and so you get to see, like, like, 
like my, one of my favorite characters is this girl named Leone who's a mercenary. And I have taken her in every house I've been in. And so you can see, oh, so this is Leone's interaction with um, like Hilda, who's in, well, she, that's, she is in that house, but uh, it's her um, relationship with Mercedes, who's this, who's this girl character who is not in that house, right? She's in a different house. So like that's how big this game is, is that every character has their own kind of story arc with every single other character in the game. Like it's huge. It is sounds incredibly in depth. It's really like in way depth. more than I expected. Like, oh, it is insanely in depth, and you have to play the game um, all at least all four times for all four stories. But the nice thing is, once you've beaten it that first time, your second playthrough, you can blitz through it if you want. If you don't want, if you want to do the full experience, you don't have to. Um, each of the leaders of the house is like super badass. The, every every character feels unique and and different and their own. Um, there's like a common theme amongst a lot of the girl characters, and that's just kind of like some of the story arc in that game is that every character has or certain characters have crests, right? Which is basically just like some form of magic power. And so a lot of the lords and ladies in the different regions. Um, basically try to sell off their daughters because you know it helps position their house and so like with most of the guys stories are all different and whatever but uh, like there's like in like each house there's at least like two of the girls whose story is you know my my dad wants to sell me off because i I bore a crest and i want to do it to help my family and stuff like that so that's like the only thing where it's like okay that's a little repetitive but like that's it that's the only thing that's repetitive and so i mean all the leaders of the house are have totally um, you have Claude, um, Dimitri, who is my favorite character in the game, and uh, Edelgard, and they all have, and then there's uh, Rhea, which is the leader of the church, if you do the church route. Um, and so they, they all have totally different ambitions, totally different goals, uh, totally different stories, and so it's, I mean, it's like four full games. But you re- you, you, once you play through somebody else's story, you see that it's, it's all just different sides of war. And it's, it's so phenomenal. It's so great. Like, I, I loved this game. I mean, this, I was strongly considering making this my game my number one. But I was like, I don't know. Am I just on a really high point because I, I've been playing it this year? I had to think about the entire decade. Um, yeah, but it's, it's up there. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, it's caused me to re like, think about my top 10 RPG list. And I'm like, I got to push some stuff down to make room for this. It's funny because I was kind of expecting this to be your number one. Because mm-hmm. every now and then, you and I will be like texting about like I don't know so, something right. else game related or something wrestling related, and then in the middle of that conversation, you'd be like, "Oh, by the way, Fire Emblem." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so and it, it's kind of like you always just found a way to squeeze it it's in there, so and I'm good. just like, I'm just like, he is really, really it's, all oh, about man. this. Well, like, like, like oh my last god, year, last year I was Octopath Traveler, and I was playing. I would love Octopath Traveler. Um, but I mean, this just for me is like I just I think about Octopath Traveler now in this way where I'm like, yeah, it's great, but it's not Fire Emblem. See, like, again, like with this game though, like, I don't know if I should. Fire Emblem always looked very, very, very like tactical mm-hmm. to me, but that that's all I ever took away from Fire Emblem. Ooh, I just took yeah. it for that. I did not expect this in-depth well, um, from story I've heard, so and I, these colorful characters. From everything like, I've heard is that um, my brother, who's a, 
big fan of the series, and he hasn't played this one yet because he doesn't have a Switch. Uh, but what he's kind of told me about a lot of the other games is this game has like a central hub. It's like this monastery you run around because you're a professor there, and you get to interact oh. with students. And that's that's what seems to be totally new. It's not like open world. It's you just have this hub you get to run around in in between battles, and that seems to be, from what I understand, as as new for the first time for this. So, um, uh, there's definitely it definitely is tactical. I don't think even I haven't played it on the the like the insane difficulties, um, mm-hmm. but I don't. I wouldn't say like the the kind of normal difficulty is relatively hard. Even on your first playthrough, you just have to kind of put in some time and grind some of the lower level battles. Um, but man, some of the final levels, the, some of the final levels are, are pretty brutal. And it is, even if you're playing, even when you're playing on casual mode and your characters don't die forever, when you lose somebody in a battle, it's like, oh, like you just think about, <laughs> you just think about like how much more difficult this is about to become like, oh God, like, <laughs> And then, and then, like the leaders of the house. I mean, they are bosses, man. I mean, they, and they they should be like. And it's it's so much fun when you're when your your characters feel like because your your characters. I wouldn't even say they ever feel overpowered. They just feel like they feel as powerful as they should be. So, but it's great. It's and it's a lot. It's so much. It's it's character development. And I mean, the story is like. It's like okay, it's pretty straightforward and and stuff like that. And then um, there's also you you. You have to marry. Well, you don't have to, but you can. You marry somebody in the game, okay. and so I'm like, I'm like walking around. I'm like walking around, like, all right, you, you like talk to the you talk to the girls. You can marry guys too. You know, there's there are same sex uh, relationships if, if if you want to do that in the game. But um, uh, so I'm like talking to all the different girls. I'm like, okay, well, this girl's kind of cool. This girl's kind of cool. And then at one point in the game, there's like a five year time jump, and so I'm kind of like, why? Well, I'm like. Glad I did not hang out with that girl, right? You know, like because they, they <laughs> become like, kind of weird or whatever. Like, there's this one girl, Mercedes, who like is is fine. Like, she, like you know, it's whatever. They're video game characters. It's not like you're, whatever. But I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm talking to her. She's kind of cool. And then she's like, oh, like one of my favorite things to do is pray. And I'm like, I'm out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and so it's just funny because like they're all different and they're all like unique and it's also like it's taking place in it, like it's a school and so it's kind of like oh you know like like i think the persona games you know for a lot of people like that because they take place in schools so it kind of reminds you of like especially this game is funny because it's like each house is like a different click right you know it's like okay clearly these are like the nerds and these are kind of like the outcasts <laughs> and these are kind of the jocks and so it's just like kind of funny like you know just like playing it like it's that. so it's social links for Fire exactly <laughs> it's so it's so much fun yeah so oh, i love it that's great this that just made this whole thing a lot more appealing yeah. to me for some reason so it's so it's so good <laughs> oh it's God. so good so yeah I, yeah it's crazy how how uh far uh fire emblems come especially in the states mm-hmm. because smash like, brothers man, like, that's what did it that's what smash brothers melee I, is what did it for him it, it's crazy because smash brothers melee did it before Fire Emblem itself did it because M- Melee had Marth and Roy, and we were kind of just like, who the heck are they? But it's funny because back then, Roy actually became my character mm-hmm. it, it, back back then when we used to do, have our little like GameCube tournaments and, and whatever. And then like through reading and stuff like that, we realized, oh, they're from this game called Fire Emblem? Mm-hmm. We were like, what the What's heck is that? that? Yeah. And then one day, I'm going through a Game Informer, and then it was happening. 
we're going to get our first Fire Emblem game on the GameCube. And I was like, guys, I was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't play it, but I heard great things yeah. about that one, yeah. too. Yeah, I just bought um, Fate, Fire Emblem Fate's uh, Birthright, which is one of the ones on the 3DS. I'm, I, I've just kind of started it, so I don't, I don't, I can't really. Yeah, attest that to it. was another one I would hear you talk about mm -hmm. from time to time. Yeah, so I just, I just, I just yeah. kind of started it, man, so. But yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses, man. Whew. Yeah, it made it into my list, and that was not an over exaggeration because of the, of 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 the time, and I was really stacking it up against. All right, looking at all these other games I've played, being like, yeah, you know, I love that game, I love that game, but I nope, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem deserves to be in. Oh yeah, a lot of meat and potatoes with this one. Mm -hmm. So all right, man, I think this is your uh, last game of the decade before we get to our our, our favorite games. Yes, and I've only played about 13 hours of this game, but I played a, quite a couple of other games in this franchise, and I loved it. It was part of the first real JRPG experience I had next to Pokemon way back when, when I was a kid. And I put in, originally came out in 2017, but was re-released this year for the Switch. And that's the one I got, Dragon Quest Eleven. Nice. It 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 ha It's Yuji Horii's masterpiece once again it's got a very compelling story you are the hero character as you are in every dragon quest game i named my hero um Eirdrick as which is it's one of like the legendary uh, hero titles you get in the game i just thought i'm just gonna name him that because that's in the dragon quest mythos basically so i went with that but you are the luminary and the luminary is a uh, you the reincarnation of this hero of light that faced down this great darkness that was bestowed upon the land a long, long, long time ago. And you you find out that you're this luminary and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's my place in this world? And you set out an adventure and you go to the kingdom of Heliodor and present yourself to the king as the luminary because he's supposed to know about this, basically. But he kind of um, goes against you and kind of condemns you and arrests you because don't really know what was happening in the beginning. But it's like when you were born, it looks like they were trying to hide you away from this great evil. And you were eventually like lost out in the wild and you were put into this adoptive family in this little mountain town that no one really knew about. And... The king, you know, jails you because he sees you as a harbinger of darkness because he's like, if you are the luminary, then that means darkness is going to fall upon us once again. And we can't have that. And you get busted out. And you're, again, trying to find your place in this world. You're trying to find out why the king of Heliodor did this to you. You meet new companions on the way. And just, just like any Dragon Quest game, everyone's just so freaking charming the voice work in this game is absolutely a plus everyone's so colorful and brimming with personality it's to the point where it's like i don't know who i should switch in who i should switch out i, I love them all i love every character they bring something great and unique to this game um even for a game released um at this point of where we are in the video game landscape, it's still got the classic JRPG battle system, which I personally love because I think it's great for strategy building. Um, the world itself is beautiful, and some people might take a double take at me for saying this. 
even though I haven't played Breath of the Wild, I've seen Breath of the Wild. Mm. And I feel like this is almost on that level. It's it's pretty close. It's a very breathtaking world. And to see the classic Dragon Quest monsters roaming it is is a real sight to see. It's come it's we've come so far in this series, you know? And I I'm just in awe at it. There's certain enemies you could fight, and if they're like sparkling, depending on what they are, you could like if you defeat them, you could ride them throughout like the map but you also get a horse too but it's fun because one minute you'll be riding your horse or you could just be running around on foot but then you might be like flying around on this giant killer bee or this like skeleton dog thing with spikes it's absolutely great classic dragon quest monsters return to us like slime toxic toads mud hands chimeras cacti balls it's just if I start naming every Dragon Quest monster, we're going to be here for a long time. But the cool thing that the Switch version has that the PS4 version didn't is that it has a 2D mode, which makes it look like the more like Super NES or Game Boy Color games. So, now, so that was pretty Real clever. quick, though, doesn't, yeah. didn't, wasn't the 2D mode on the Japanese 3DS version? It was. Okay. It was. Which makes me wonder how did the real... 3DS version look because this is the 3D in this is pretty much it's pretty much the PS4 version and it still even looks fantastic when you have it undocked from your TV. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely floored with it on 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 how great it looked. But um I I mean that's really all I could say about it because I Again, I haven't gotten that far into I'm about 13 hours in. Oh, there's also a crafting system, which is great. So you could upgrade uh, weapons and armors. And there's a um, skill tree progression, which we really never got in a Dragon Quest game, to my best of my knowledge. So that's cool to the point where it's like, again, you could put skill... Other than leveling up and getting your stats up and learning new spells, depending on your characters and stuff like that. You could put skill points into certain areas of the skill tree where you want to be more proficient in. So that's pretty fun, I think, as well. That was really clever to to add into the game. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hey, I just bought this game. I mean, literally, like, two minutes before we started, I was like, you know what? I'm buying it. I have time. Boom. Yeah. So purchased. Yeah. Um, I've, fall, I've fallen in love with this. game has stolen my heart yeah. so freaking quickly. I was I was like, this game has to go on the yeah. list because it's it's so – because even the the game has a personality of its own, and like I said, it's just just seeing this beautiful world and seeing those classic monsters roaming around in full three D. I'm I'm in absolute awe of, of the beauty of this game, and just it's got that. Even in three D, it's like you look at these things and you know it's it's a Kira Toriyama, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, all, yeah. all, all over the place. Yeah, and you know we I've, we talk, we've talked about this a little bit before. You know, is you are you are a big huge fan of the Dragon Quest or you know, Dragon Warrior series. I'm still kind of new to it, finding my way. You know, I played Dragon Quest Heroes. That again, that was a game that almost made my my list because I there was for one summer I was uh I was plowing through that and loving that game to death and then I have that was a very fun yeah game. and I have eight game. and Builders looks really awesome and I want to get into it and so I'm you know certainly excited to get into uh 
into this because the Dragon Quest games have always have always just they've always looked interesting to me. They've always looked intriguing. This one looks phenomenal. And I almost bought it when it came out on PS4, but I knew that there was a Switch version announced and I was like, I'm just going to hold out for the Switch version. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't wait to see what other surprises await me. Because even in the beginning when I went to Heliodor and the king was just like, mm-hmm. into the dungeon, I was kind of just like, oh, hell. Yeah. What did I do? I was kind of just like, I was like, really? But I was so excited to tell you who I was and everything. And just, um, I went to uh, Galopolis and it's like this kingdom in uh, laid out in a bunch of sand dunes. And it brought me back to three when you get back to, when you go to the kingdom of, um, there's a kingdom called Isis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, Egyptian mythology and stuff like that. And um, not the not the terrorist organization. No, no, no. Wait, I unplugged my mic. Oh, I stepped on okay, it. Yeah. <laughs> my wire. <laughs> I always do that. I got to get like a like a like a clip for That's this okay. thing. And so, and there was at one but, there was at one point in this episode. I, I'm sure people probably heard. I, uh, I I hit my I flung my arm way up and my my thing came out of my headphone jack and you were really loud there for a second. I was like, ah, oh, I gotta plug it back in. But hey. Oh my god. Hey, you know, I didn't when, even you, when you're pushing three hours on a podcast, which by the way we are, and it's a great episode, so we're just rolling with it. You know, stuff happens. I I had a feeling this was gonna be long because yeah, it's just there's like... too much. We're talking about a decade's worth of games here, so. Yeah, you can't cram that you in into like a half that's hour not worth or an yep. hour. We just go or, with it. Yeah, yeah. that's not like the one thing. Like, I was kind of like preparing myself for that. But but yeah, I get to Galopolis and it's like it brought me back to three with the Kingdom of Isis where it's like, oh, it's like the Sand Kingdom. It's got its own personality. There's cats everywhere just like in three. I was like, I love it. I love it. And you have to do this horse race. And all I'm going to say is, without spoiling anything, Sylvando is a guy. You want watching your back. I <laughs> I can't say anything more, but when you see him, at first you're going to be like, is this for real? And then you're going to realize, this is absolutely awesome. All right. <laughs> that's, all, that's, all, that's all I can really say. But it classic Dragon Quest with a n- new coat of paint, and it's, it's just, I'm going to be on this one for a while. I'm, I, uh, I, I'm taking my time with it. I'm exploring parts of the map. I'm grinding, which is a big part of Dragon Quest. I'm, you know, I'm trying to explore the crafting system a, a bit more. But, but I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And it, it, I was like, this is definitely, it has to be on my top ten. Yeah. It has to. I, I just, I couldn't forgive myself if I, if I missed it. Uh, yeah. There we go. That's All right, it, man. Okay. Now we're down to the final. Two. So, um, I guess we'll go basically whoever ha- whoever will go in chronological order. So, where is your game? What year does your game come from? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then. <laughs> okay. So then, what I thought was going to be your final game was going to be Mass Effect Three, but I guess yeah, uh, I, I guess it's not, it, man. My my favorite Mass Effects fun fact are. In the order they came out, one, two, three, gotcha. and Andromeda. Now I liked Andromeda, right. but I didn't like Andromeda the way I liked the original trilogy right. because Andromeda. It's kind of hard to like a game when you don't like the character right. you're playing. Right? As. Yeah, I got, I got you. 
That's all I can really say without getting into a whole different spectrum right. here. Right, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. but, but, yeah. Okay, all right, man. Yeah, I thought about it, but, yeah. yeah. But uh, 2010, yeah. 2010. What year is yours? Mine's, 24, Again, mine's 2014, so. 2014, yeah. okay. All right, I guess I'll... I guess I'll get going here then. All right. I have literally no, <laughs> I have no idea what this game is. No here idea. Here we go. Here we go. So I'm a big fan of this this franchise. And I think this is one that might turn some heads, but this is one you really, really have to think about, I feel like. My number one. This game had a very heavy impact on me when it came out. Fallout New Vegas. Oh, yeah. I think that this is the best fallout game ever and you can make you know some people could be like oh but what about four <laughs> yeah don't get me wrong four has the better graphics of course four has the better gameplay of course but four its side quests are way better than its main quest that's a problem when your main story doesn't hold up to everything else in the game. I, I think that says something. 3 had a phenomenal story. I played the first Fallout back in the Interplay days. That had a great story. New Vegas is just... It's, you know... like If anyone knows Fallout, it's a post-apocalyptic RPG. It's the follow-up to Fallout 3. And... It's my favorite Fallout, like I said. And... It's like... New Vegas took everything 3 did and made it better. Controls remained primarily the same, but they added true iron sights into the first-person aspect of the game, which I think was a real difference maker. It tightened up the game a lot. Other than that, I want to talk about its map. Now, I, I felt like this was very important to note. When we got Fallout 3 and we left Vault 101, while it was a marvel and you wanted nothing more than to explore the Capital Wasteland, it's kind of the most uninviting map in the world. It's very, very grim and dark and depressing. But this takes place in the Mojave Wasteland. It's a desert. And in the Fallout mythos, this takes place in NCR territory. You don't know what the NCR is. That's the new California Republic, which dates back to Fallout 2. Um, kind of even in Fallout 1, they weren't even really that much established. But if you're in, um, if you're in like the, I think it was the Vault 13 area, I think it was. And you have to save Tandy, but that they—they it's basically uh, Shady Sands. That's it. Shady Sands is basically what becomes uh, the NCR in in the Fallout universe, and it's developed into five states, basically, and the Mojaves within uh, that state. So, one, you're in a land where a society has been established, so to speak. So. It's not as chaotic and lawless as the Capital Wasteland, so there's kind of a sense of security, but it's don't get me wrong. You're still walking around in the Wild West out there, basically, uh, to a degree. And I think that's another reason I loved it so much, too, because it has a Western quality to it with some of like the NCR guys walking around with cowboy hats on and stuff like that and everything. It's cool. But what I loved is you're in this world that's 
rebuilding from a nuclear catastrophe, but it's vibrant. It's the desert. You have these wonderful angelic sunrises and sunsets. It adds so much color um, to the world. And I thought that was very, very nice to have in this kind of uh, dire uh, circumstance, you know. Uh, it had the best story, power struggle between the NCR and Caesar's Legion. Caesar's Legion is just this bad group of guys that believe in slavery, and they're just fighting over control um, of land for the NCR. There's a lot more to it, but if I go into more and more about Fallout, we're just going to be here all hey, day. Hey, that's okay, man. We've already been here for almost three yeah. hours. We're just rolling. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about a decade's it's, worth of games. Yeah, it, it does. We, we really are. We really are. It's um, like all Fallout games, you have morality choices in um, in um, dialogue options. Um, there's a there's an awesome disguise mechanic added in this game where it's like the you get your karma points with your different groups, but it's like okay, say if I'm with the NCR, not in Caesar's Legion, right? But I want to sneak into Caesar's Legion territory. I can attack a Caesar's Legion member, steal his outfit. I'm disguised as Caesar's Legion, and then the Caesar's Legion won't attack me. It's it it adds a lot of strategy too to the game as well. Um. One thing I thought was really, really clever about this game was um, a lot of characters in the game are very critical to uh, the NCR's uh, tactics and beliefs and what they're doing. And they're, they kind of come off as very imperialistic. And some people might... I don't want to get too political here because I never really talk about um, right. yeah, yeah. anything political in real life. But... Um, it was very, very reminiscent to things like uh, when we got involved with Iraq on multiple occasions, stuff like that. And a lot of those comparisons were like made heavily when this game came out, and I thought that was very, very something, very interesting to take note of as well. That's kind of a a big uh, statement when a game is mirroring something that's happening in real life on a global scale. Uh, basically, so many different factions uh, to choose from, to to um, to side with, and all of that is gonna matter in the end game because who you make friends with is going to matter. Who aids you in the final battle for for the control of Hoover Dam? Because if you control the dam, you control power throughout the entire NCR region, almost basically, and. It's just, it's crazy about uh, with the lore that this adds to the Fallout universe. And not to mention how it dips into a lot of Fallout 1 and 2, since basically all those games roughly take place in the same area as well. So because of New Vegas, I learned a lot about Fallout 2 as well. And it's crazy to see how different the brotherhood on the west coast is different from the east coast and you learn about that split between the two factions basically because the brotherhood in new vegas is you know very close to home it's the original it's the original brotherhood of steel basically and they're very um isolated 
They don't want to share tech with anybody and stuff like that while the East Coast Brotherhood, when the Brotherhood went to the East Coast and saw how dire it was out there and saw how lawless it was out there, they felt the need to actually start helping people. But when word got back home, they were like, nope, cut them off. And they cut off any help or communications with them. And that Brotherhood that we see in Fallout 3 is basically uh, on their own. Um, in a sense, so it, it's a it's a very 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 different uh, perspective. Um, colorful characters. Uh, you have uh, Cassidy. I loved having Cassidy with me on my team. I had a robot dog called Rex. Um, lots of fun things to do. Even like you could go to casinos and play blackjack and roulette and poker. Um, there's a fun in-game uh, card game made specifically for New Vegas called Caravan. That's a good way to earn extra caps. I had a, I forget how to play Caravan, but I had a lot of fun um, playing that uh, in New Vegas. Had great DLC. Um, Honest Hearts, I thought, was really, really good. You had the introduction of Joshua Graham, very cool character. That adds a lot to the Caesars Legion uh, mythos. He was like one of Caesars right-hand men, and when he failed in battle, he was cast aside, he was lit on fire and thrown into a canyon where he lived and started um, taking care of uh, more tribal kind of uh, people out in the wasteland and stuff like that. Uh, very, very cool story. There's kind of like a um, horror, um, old-school, like, uh, 50s um B-type movie um, DLC. Oh my god, the name escapes me. At the, Old World Blues. That was it. Old World Blues. And it's, you go to like this bizarre research facility and see these bizarre experiments going on. Um, Dead Money, which was... That was like a survival horror aspect of this game. You're in this town... Um, by this old casino shrouded in like this poison cloud and all the inhabitants have gone crazy. And this guy that deserted the Brotherhood of Steel wants to pull off a heist at the casino to get all this money to aid him in his own, um, for his own purposes, basically. I ended up locking him in the vault so he could just die because I was like, screw this guy. I'm getting out of here, <laughs> basically. Um, I just... Again, it's just I love the world building and I love the lore that um, the Mojave Wasteland gives off. It's such an expansive map. I was always like discovering new things and the side quests were so great as well. I just I've wanted to do everything in that game. And no matter how many times I've beaten it and done things a little differently, I still haven't done everything there is to do in Fallout New Vegas. And it's all more compelling for me to just keep picking up and and playing, you know. I've never done any of the quests for Caesar's Legion because that's how powerful this game is because it gets it's it's very very brutal to walk around the wasteland and see them torturing people by crucifixion and stuff like that. It's it's gets pretty heavy at, at times, you know, and the morality choices in this game just, just really, really, really hit home. And when, when a game could tug at you like that emotionally and mentally, I think it's earned its place rightfully on as, as a top spot of, um, 
of video games, yeah. really. Yeah. It it was arguably at one point in time my favorite game ever next to um the first Mass Effect actually. Um but I I don't think I could say anything else uh, yeah, about mean, it. Really. I, I mean I know I know I'm not I'm not super big into the Fallout series, but I know um other people who are, you know, my brother who I've had on the show before, uh, he's he Fallout New Vegas is his favorite of the Fallouts. Um, and I've had um, a couple other people on uh, Mallory. She's been on before and she's, you know, also spoke very highly of of New Vegas. And so I know that that's it's a lot of people's favorite. I think it's because it, it took a lot of the things that Fallout 3 did really well and just kind of pushed it to that next level, whereas Fallout 4 kind of goes in a different direction. Right. From what I've from what I've understood yeah. about Fallout Four, Fallout Four took a lot of the things Skyrim did more so than right. anything, actually, um, because it was that new engine, you know. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Fallout Four is it's a great game. It's a very, very, very good game. But like I said, when your main story doesn't isn't as compelling as the side quests or the faction quests. I think that says a lot, really, you know? And don't forget, like, Fallout 4 is right before 76 came out. And, uh, well, we know how that's going yeah. right now. That's just That just seems like one fiasco after the next. But it's... Um, Fallout New Vegas is... It's crazy because in the beginning, you're really just trying to find out who, who tried to murder you, basically. The game starts with you waking up from, an, from a murder attempt where um, a guy named Benny... Uh, shoots you point blank in the head because you have this mysterious chip. This mysterious casino chip that's more than a chip. It's got a microchip inside of it that has plans to... That's another thing, too. It's New Vegas itself is a, is a key in all of this, you know? And you you have to decide from there it, it gets in the more to like oh am i going to side with caesar's legion am i going to side with the new california republic when you get your when you bring that chip back to new vegas a lot of things start happening very very quickly and it's kind of just like wow like who would have thought that this um strip of casinos would be this big deal because it goes a lot uh deeper it's 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 the uh mystery beside um inside of mr house even and mr house is another one am i gonna side with him or am i gonna say to hell with it with everybody it's a lot of different um options here uh to go from and i and i like that because it with fallout 3 it was you're going left or you're going right basically but this it's like North, south, east, west, which way am I going? You know? It's like, what do I really want here? And it's like, I get it's just a game. I understand that. But when you're really, really into it, it forced me to really sit back here and think, huh. Well, I'm in a very, very big predicament here, you know? It's like, because... Like I said, because the storytelling was so good and all the characters meant so much to me. I was kind of just like, their fate lies in my hands, really. And there were a lot of things I did in Fall, Fallout New Vegas that I felt bad about, even, at times. And 
Sometimes it was things I didn't even mean to do. I was kind of just like, whoops. <laughs> like, that's just the way it went. And, um, oh, God, now I want to play New Vegas. Hey, man, it's, just, it's good. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about diving back into these old games that we, that we you know, we loved over this past 10 Damn years. Damn it. So. But but also I, I love too that again once again you're in a wasteland that feels more um, hopeful, you know mm-hmm. like like I liked the fact that it's like oh it's a nice sunny day out here in the Mojave you right. know it was like it was refreshing to look at whether it be like oh it's clouds and destroyed metropolises all over here on the east coast and it's just mm-hmm. like. You're you're in a more well established society here in New Vegas, and I and I really appreciated that as well. Nice. That was that that added a whole new mechanic to the way um, you play it over Fallout Three. Actually, I felt like. So yeah. Hey man. New hey, Vegas. Yeah. My my top game. Okay. All right. Well. Um. So my number one came out in 2014. Although I really picked it up in. 2015 after its sec- second set of I wouldn't even really I wouldn't it's not necessarily DLC but its second expansion see now I'm curious because like I said I thought Fire Emblem was going to be your one but now I'm like I can't I, I, I can't think of anything oh here, no no, so. no no my, no, my <laughs> number one is I, I mean I thought about this I thought about this and part of me didn't want to put it on this list and another part of me was like no it is the game it is it is certainly the game of of the decade and it speaks a little bit about it's kind of in a way it's a little bit it's kind of sad um in another way it's still like i i love this game um because this is one of those games where now we're in this era where some games you can't really you can't go back and play anymore you know some some games it's like it's That's like we rent, yeah. we rent server space um and this it this has far more to do with the community that i was playing with at the time than necessarily the game itself. And that is the original Destiny. Destiny 1. Ooh! That's a great choice! Destiny... So, it, it, so, here's, so Destiny came out in, in around like the end of 2014. I didn't touch it until after the second expansion had come out, which was House of Wolves. Um, and that summer was just kind of a, I've talked about, I've shared this before. I've shared my, my destiny story before. And so it was kind of an interesting time in my life because I was going back to school and, you know, I moved back in like with my, with my dad and, um, you know, I'm not paying rent or, or anything. My dad's just like, no, just come back, finish your degree. And, you know, then we'll, you know, figure out from there. So I wasn't paying rent. I had like no expenses and it was the summer. And so I was just working. Um, and I worked at this little restaurant where I worked, uh, you know, just like waiting tables and cooking and whatever. And I was working part time. And so I only worked like two, three days a week because it was the summer and it's like it's in a college town. So there's really just not a lot to do. So um, that summer, oddly enough, you know, most people most people think of like, oh, you're just sitting around playing video games all the time. You're probably going to put on a bunch of weight. And that's not the case. I would get up every morning. My buddy Ezra, who I run other podcasts with, he was he had, was in this. We all his we grew up like next to each other. Like, and he had he was back living with his parents because like his mom and he's he's shared the story before on this podcast. You know, his mom died of cancer, and so he's kind of back, um, like living with his dad and stuff like that. And so he was working on his master's degree, and so we were hanging out all the time, um, starting our podcasting 
empire here we're we're slowly trying to build and um so we were just like hanging out the summer we just get up we go to the gym and then we'd go back and we would play destiny and um it was kind of really the first time i really got into what i would consider like hardcore online gaming uh, same, same and here. And so I was the first time I went on to like look for group forums and and all of that stuff. And I'm just and so I just happened to randomly meet um, like two guys, um, one of which who I still talk to all the time today and stuff like that on Facebook. Um, and my buddy Redstorm Rex, uh, he's over in England. And so I met these two guys in England, like on an online server. We were like I would get up, and so I'd get up, I'd go to the gym, right. I get up, I go to the gym, I'd come home, and Destiny's probably the first game where I ever felt like I was, like, addicted to it. And it was awesome, let me tell you, okay? Like, I'm not going to sit here. The first Destiny was a great game. I loved Destiny. And so I would get up, and so, like, my friends are in West Coast time, so I'd get up, I'd be gaming, because they're they're in England time, and I'm on East Coast time, so they were already up. So, like, they were just getting off work by the time I was, like, getting up, getting home from the gym. Like, all right, let's play Destiny. So I'd play Destiny, and then... My Ohio friends would be like getting off work and be like, "Hey, you want to play Destiny?" I'd be like, "Yeah, let's play Destiny." And then by the yeah. time they were going to bed, my West Coast friends, because I used to live, you know, on the West Coast, now I live back on the West Coast, would be like getting off work and they'd be like, "Hey, you want to play Destiny?" I'd be like, "Yeah." So I was like playing Destiny for like ten to twelve hours every day, um, as well as like working out, and I got into the best shape of my life. And also, um, just got a ton of hours of Destiny in. I mean, I can talk about the game. Um, I think that Destiny won. I think Destiny before the Taken King, which is the first big expansion, like one year afterwards, I think was the the end of House of Wolves before Taken King was the best uh, like four to five month period Destiny ever had, and probably will ever have again. Um, you know, it's a first-person shooter slash kind of RPG where you have certain, like, shared worlds. It's not really, like, open world or anything like that, but you um, go through all these different levels, and um, that's kind of the PvE part. And then the PvP part, I think, was really balanced um, well. I don't feel like there was a lot of classes. Like, there's there's three classes. Um, you have... Right. Um, you, uh, got, you have Titan, Warlock, and Hunter. I always played a Hunter. Um, I was a warlock. And then you had different subsets in that, right? And then you had different move sets you could move around in there. So it was quite a bit of customization. Um, oh, yeah. It was definitely one of those grind for loot, random loot drop games. And I actually feel like mm-hmm. that was the best part of it because mm-hmm. it was all about the grind. All about the grind to get the to get the, the the certain guns you wanted to get the certain guns you needed um mm-hmm. that was like what i felt like was like the perfect window where everybody felt like unique and powerful and you'd come across guys who had certain guns you're like oh man that sucks i want that one and so you're always 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 pushing to try and get the the, ne- the next gun um and then when the taking king came out they changed some stuff i think they improved on some stuff they i think i feel like they they you know drew some other stuff back but for me it was really that end of the uh, kind of vanilla with the two expansions before taking king where i felt like destiny was at its absolute best um i played a gun slinging um hunter so you know my my super my um super right is a uh the golden gun right boom 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 three like instant kill shots uh throwing knives to be throwing knives at guys um, man, so many. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of respect for Golden. Oh, that's where it's at. I, I, 
Yeah. It was, oh my God. Well, I love Golden Gun, man. It's where it's at, you know? And so every class felt cool. You know, Titans could drop a shield or Titans could do the Titan smash. Um, Warlocks could resurrect themselves, which in the ultra competitive trials of Osiris, um, three on three deathmatch, where once you die, you have to be revived. Um, so much strategy involved in that mode. Um, you know, re- self rising warlocks, huge, right? I mean, it's it's an, an enormous advantage, but you'd really have to time it. Is this the right time to use it? Um, yeah, it's like pick and choose, basically. Pick and choose. When am I yeah. going to use my super? Um, every time you're on the edge of your seat, you know, we would we would play, and sometimes we'd be down like. Um, you know, like so many, we'd be down so far, right? Where it's like, all right, this isn't even worth it. We're about to, we're about to get wrecked. We're down like, I think it's, I think it's the best of five, or you, no, first two five, right? We'd be down like four zero, and we would message the other team, and we'd be like, comeback starts now, bitches, like, like, just oh like, my just god, like, and then like we would totally just get wrecked the next round. They just, Ruthless. they just, Ruthless. they would just send us like LOLs, like you guys are great, like thinking they're funny because we're just like fun to play against. And so, um, yeah, it's just so much of it i mean i i've talked i again i have an entire episode where it's just like my destiny story um and 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 when destiny 2 came out i talked a lot about what i thought about it compared to destiny 1 um but again if for me it's my game of the decade just because of the time at which i played it in my life the uh, like the community the friends we had going to the vault of glass you know still i think is the best destiny raid so much fun um we would just we I would just do so class. many stupid things it. in the game. Um, you know, we'd be hanging out in the tower. Then when they introduced Sparrow Racing and, and all of these other things, you know, kicking the soccer ball, trying to get up to certain spots in the tower, running around, finding glitches. Um, it was just, for me, it was, it was that community aspect of the game. And I think Destiny did it really, really well because you, in the open world, you just had, like, two emotions, right? You had, like, dance and, like, wave, dance, wave, and point. And you could really communicate really well with other random people with just that. That yeah um playing strikes you know just jumping in jumping into those little mini those mini boss fights where you drive drive through the dungeon get to a boss and fight them i would just grind strikes left and right the crucible um i I played i you know playing the crucible all the time all the different exotic weapons uh just you know everybody i felt like everybody once they kind of balanced the guns i felt like everything was unique and it was like you could there were certain moments where it's like all right every and you can play whatever gun you want and you can just be that's your gun that's your guy i played a gunslinging hunter the last word is my gun of choice just get right in people's face blast them throwing knives left and right sticky grenades just love it my uh i was a warlock and i forget I forget the name of the assault rifle, but it's the one Mida, you or no, get um, uh, Soros regime. It's it, no. Is it exotic? It's um, it's the one you get though when you beat the boss of uh, Vault of Glass though. Oh, um, the assault rifle or the well, it's 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 or technically it's a fusion rifle, right? The the Vex Mythoclass. It fires like an assault rifle. But it's technically no, no, no. This it was an actual assault rifle, actually. Uh, let me see if I could Google it. Let's see. Let's see really quick. Hang on. Um, Destiny Vault of Glass assault rifle. Let's see if I could get this. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, again. This is it. This is it. It's um. Atheon's oh, epilogue. Yeah. That was it. That was my gun, yeah. man. Once I got that, I was all about. 
about it. I loved mm-hmm. that weapon. Yeah, that was so yeah, good. Guns, man. Everybody getting the guns. And then, then, then when they introduced swords, like that drastically changed the game. I mean, drastically changed. The- I also liked you could pick like you could pick like um some kind of like house to join as well. Oh yeah, man. Dead has- orbit. I was, I was, I there was, was, there was dead um, orbit. There was, there's dead orbit. There is the, oh God, the monarchs, the red guys. And then there's the blue and yellow guys. What are their names? Oh, the, those are like, those are the, those are the people. To, to just, that's what I was though. I was, I was the blue and yellow one. I forget what it was. Um, but basically the thing was they're just preparing for the end of the world, basically kind of, I was just, I liked that. And I was like, oh yeah. I remember like Vault of Glass running that so many times, and we it, it would take us like six hours to do, and we'd take we'd classic hot pocket breaks and stuff like that, and everything. Oh, but that was see, like, my best friend was always into MMOs, and I just really wasn't, and he was always trying to. But like I told him, like you know what, it's Bungie when this comes out, I will I will get it as well, and he was so stoked, and I was. That was like my real introduction playing an MMO. There is. Like, I forgot. So yeah. What new, do you think, there's dude? New and Monarchy, like, yeah. Dead Orbit, and the Future War Cult. That was it. Future War Cult was what I was a part yeah. of. That was the one. It's been so long since I played it, man. But um, I'll I'll never forget uh, Vault of Glass. My first run of Vault of Glass. There's a legendary uh, pistol you could get in it. I forget what it's called, like the thorn. Uh... No, thorn is thorn is an exotic that does that does poison damage. You are talking about fate bringer, which was like the single most sought after legendary. Gun. I got yeah. that in my first mm-hmm. run, first run, first chest. I was the only one to get it, and our, my team got so pissed at right. me. They were so mad at me, but I was like, I, it's not like I I Chose made right. it happen. Well, guys. I so just, I got I, the first exotic I ever got was ice bringer. Or Icebreaker, excuse Ooh. me, which is the auto-recharging um, legendary sniper rifle. And, that I remember. And it's like, it's like one of those ones that's a little bit harder to get. Like, your drops are just a lot lower. And I almost broke it down because I was like, this, I tried it out once, and I was like, this gun sucks. And <laughs> then I was like, oh, I guess I'll keep it. I don't know. And so then I asked people, and they were like, oh, no, that's like the best gun. Like, that's one of the best guns in the game dude and i was like oh okay and then i was like oh yeah i guess because it never runs out of ammo and all this stuff and like because i wasn't really doing raids or anything then so i wasn't really worried about i was like whatever i'm just playing like strikes you just find ammo all the time and so i was like no 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 no, do not (laughs) under any circumstance break that down yeah like i kept the pistol but i didn't really use pistols Mm -hmm. so i was kind of just like well i'll keep it i was just like but I, i i really didn't do anything with it though but um I, I just hard light hard lights one of my I'm looking up all the uh, the the exotics there's there's 50 exotic uh, weapons uh, in destiny um, let me see here some of the ones I really loved the uh, from destiny one um, we had a real ragtag group as well like us like my best friend and I we were going on to like reddit and stuff and posting like we're trying to make a, gr- Patience a crew. And time that was a sniper rifle where you could crouch and go invisible Oh, that was like the camo yep. one. I, I I had that. Yep. Yeah, the Ace of Spades, which was a cool hand cannon. Later, that was in the that was in um, uh, right or Oryx. The no, the second whatever the whatever the second uh, big expansion was. Um, how how am I how am I forgetting this? The the second big expansion of Destiny. Um, the third one was Rise of Iron, but the second one is uh, it's Oryx. Uh, he's a Crota's dad. How how I'm I'm, I'm blanking on this. There's the Dark Below, or the Taken King. Yes, 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 yes. The Taken King, yeah. 
um, Boolean Gemini is just a that, solid scout rifle. No Land Beyond. That's the that's the old school sniper rifle where you would face people in Trials of Osiris and you would see like people who were like had gone like so there's the emblems right you could put on the cool emblems and like you could get them for yeah. specific events. So the big one was the if you went flawless right if you went flawless in trials of osiris you got like special gear and stuff like that so you never lost the entire way through so you would go into trials of osiris and it'd be like round one on your card and you would go up against people who were all using no land beyond uh and had gone flawless and you're like we are about to get wrecked <laughs> i remember that like, i mean I, I, I we are I about very... to get absolutely wrecked and it was i would stare at that weapon yeah. like as like that is that is something of beauty. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's like that's like a decoration you hang on mm-hmm. your wall. I would think to myself. Yeah, um, Suresh oh. Razim was a pretty cool auto rifle. Um, uh, let me see here. Some of these other ones. That was like that, like weird, like old school kind of like mm-hmm. looking. Like it looked kind of like cyberpunky yep. kind of. Hawk. It's like the white and red yeah. one. Hawk Moon, um, which was like an absurd hand cannon, which broke the game during the few months when hand cannons just ruled the world. I remember um, that one actually. I do yeah, remember that. Yeah, let me cannon. see. Then there were the, then some of the swords, uh, thorn, which is the the hand cannon that does poison damage. It was like pretty OP. Icebreaker. Uh, let me see some of these others. The last word. That's the like the old school pistol where you can fan it. That's, yeah, yeah. Yours, not mine. I still remember the flavor text on that. Um, let me see what else is on here. I do remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Yeah, let me see here. The fourth horseman, which is the four barrel shotgun which basically acted as a sword early in the game like you would hold you would press the trigger and it would like the recoil was so drastic that you would just run up to like the big um the wolves right like the uh the fallen right the, they're big they're big guys and that you just run right into them truth which was the rocket launcher which could of course uh had tracking and was pretty pretty dang impressive um i did have that actually i did have that uh, bad juju was the the cool um that wasn't an auto rifle, but it was a uh, what are the, what are the, what were those called? Um, semi-auto, like the semi-auto guns. Um, red Death, which was the the gun which had like the knife on the front and was was covered in red. Uh, oh, I do remember that. Mita Mita Multi Tool, which is a scout rifle. Oh, pulse rifle is what the uh, the other one is. But uh, Mita Multi Tool is the scout rifle, which was like pretty dang impressive. And then of course there was Galahorn, the insanely incredibly overpowered rocket launcher, which was the strongest. Oh which no! Is the wait, I made a game. mistake. Galahorn is what I had. Not oh god! <laughs> Galahorn's the one with like it's got like that elegant yes. like tiger yep. like lion design thing on the front of it. Oh my god, dude! That was that was the first one I ever got before the pistol actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my best friend totally flipped out. Right? On yeah, because it was because it was, it was, it was like, an, why did you it get was it? An <laughs> ultra low drop, and it was like you would go into you would go into like looking for groups to be like, hey, you want to come do this raid? And they'd be like, must have. Galahorn, <laughs> like it was like this exclusive club. I forget how I got it though. I can't remember for the life of me, but I remember I was like, "Ooh, okay, this looks cool." But like my friend knew what it was because he had read about it, yeah. and I was just like, 
Oh, yeah, and it was <laughs> it's the best, it's the best, best rocket launcher in the game, and so because it does, because it would hit them and do the damage, and then there would also be even more, um, like a little like rocket, little like grenades would basically would come out and like do even more damage. So, yeah, this is all making me want to try Destiny Two. Uh, it's not. I don't know. I haven't played it since its most recent expansion, but I it's just it's just so hard for me to try and go back because Destiny Two came out and we just we played it for like a couple weeks and we fell off. It just did not have the same magic as um as Destiny 1. Oh. Oh man. So. Oh, well. Yeah, but uh, but uh yeah, Destiny just so good. That's a that's a great choice. That was a great choice for a number 1. Yeah, I mean it was again. I love yeah, it. It was mostly it was mostly due to just the just the, uh, I mean, just the experience in my life, and when it when it came out, and and when it came down, it was, it's it's Destiny. I you could, I could almost make an argument as my favorite game of of all time. So, wow, yeah, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, hey man, that's it. That was a decade, a, a, decade. a decade's worth a of gaming, decade. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we think it's so crazy to think that in, in this past decade we've gone from the Wii, PS3, Xbox 360, PSP was still getting games. PS2 was actually still getting games. Um were. In, were. In, in 2010, um, the PS Vita, the 3DS, and the Wii U have all come and pretty much gone at this point. And now we're at the end of the PS4 and Xbox One's life cycles. So just crazy to think about where we're at you know the rise of uh, microtransactions has become a thing uh, twitch streaming um league of legends all these free-to-play games um what the battle royale battle royale is now a thing the landscape is so incredibly so incredibly different from 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 where we were at the beginning of 2010 it's crazy to see the changes man it's crazy all right whoo well Adam, where can people find you on the internet? Same place I've stated the last episode, which again is a new record for me, yeah. on Twitter and Instagram at King of Fuzz Style. Yeah, and uh, shameless, shameless self promotion here. If you want, you can hear me on the radio. If you're in the um, Union County area in New Jersey, ninety point three FM. Cougar Radio, WKNJ, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. That's Rock Pile, and you can hear it on 903WKNJ.com if you're not in that area. Yeah, man. I think it's great. I think it's great that you're on the radio. I love it. I wish I was on the radio. You know, I think it's awesome. It's fun, but incredibly different from I'm doing sure. a Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So. All right. Well, guys, if you want to hear any of your gaming stories or if you guys want to let me know what some of your favorite games of the decade uh, were, you know, be sure to send me those to uh, boxtrickgaming at gmail.com, and I can do an episode where I read a lot of those on the air. Um, if you want to find me anywhere on the internet, you can find me at Super Gains Bros, which is all one word on Instagram and Twitter. I do run a, a few other podcasts, such as Bend the Knee, which is a Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire podcast, Hyperspace Hangout, which is a Star Wars podcast, and coming at the beginning of 2020, Heroes of the Horn, which is a Wheel of time podcast so be sure to stay tuned for that and as always thank you for listening